and uh, it says it says we're live. I'm <laughs> I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Streamyard is doing well. Sabaha uh, everybody. Sabaha everybody. Sabaha. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Uh, that's truly the best way to describe it because depending on where you are in the world, it's going to be a different time, obviously. So, sabaha to everybody, um, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Morning with Tech, um, episode 47. Today is on November 21st, 2020, so it's 1121-2020. Um, interesting combination of numbers at the end of this year that has been, um, I would say, definitely a, a, an interesting year, a, a very much uh, a whirlwind of different things going on. Uh, but in today's video, I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the iPhone 12 mini. Uh, now, last week, we had the opportunity to check it out. I barely got the phone in. Uh, Mehmet is in the comment. Good morning. Good morning, Sabaho. Uh, let me just bring it up. Boom. Perfect. Um, and um, I've had the phone for about a week now. And I've been I've been kind of like a little bit, uh, I'm a, a little bit torn between the comparison that I'd like to do to this phone. Because I feel like the cameras and you know, what the iPhone 12 is offering is already kind of been established. And the mini, for the most part, is a smaller form factor. So essentially all of the same features with the exception of the screen size and the battery. So we get 5G, we get the A14, we get the, uh, you know, the storage capabilities, all of the things, the stereo speakers, the wireless charging. Um, and of course, we got a smaller form factor. So we have a dual camera set up, a standard and an ultra wide. And of course, we have a front facing camera, 4K, obviously 60 frames per second, beautiful all across. Um, uh, uh, Manikit is in there. Good morning. And, uh, but today's conversation I wanted to talk to you guys about is that there has been reports of some screen issues or devices that or people that have had the iPhone 12 mini that have had problems with their screen. Um, and I've actually been one of those people. I mentioned it in, on Monday on, um, Juan Carlos's, uh, live stream. I was uh, in the comments that during that time, and he mentioned it, that there was some people that were, you know, talking about the issues. Um, and, and I would have to say that the issues are intermittent. They're not consistent and they tend to work themselves out after some time. And what I mean by this is the touch sensitivity, touch responsiveness of the display. Uh, for me, every once in a while, just kind of just goes out the door, uh, meaning it just doesn't register when I'm trying to touch it. Like I, it's locked. I have the device on the table. I'm picking it up. Uh, it requires me to put in my pin. So I put in my pin, but it doesn't register all my touches, even though I'm touching it. And I do have that on film, which luckily I was able to get it because every time I wanted to record it, um, I have to forget to record or forget to actually kind of get the conversation on on camera. So the main thing I want to talk to you guys about was that. Uh, the other part, obviously, is that, as you probably already saw, I did pick up the Xbox Series X, uh, and I was able to find one, uh, not that, a little bit more than, obviously, I didn't buy it retail, but I did, I feel like, in my opinion, it was worth enough uh, and uh, at least saved me from having to, to deal with all of going to different stores and trying to pick up a unit. Uh, so the short answer is... Um, so Mehmet is coming in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're definitely expensive. And and that's one of the issues that I've had with this device. The fact that um, although the smallest of all the devices, although the smallest amount of storage on any of these, uh, you know, the iPhone 12 devices that you're able to pick up, it does start at $750, at 50 bucks more than what the iPhone 11 was last year. And that is something to be a little bit concerned, especially with the issues, especially when it has touch sensitivity issues on the device. Now, I'm not sure if everybody's dealing with this. I do know that people have reported it and it's making me a little bit concerned that it's just a brand new phone that I just picked up, paid, you know, full retail, obviously, 750 plus tax in the US uh, is having these issues. And I'm, I'm a little bit leery to trying to see if this is something that, that uh, sorry, I always want to say Samsung, uh, but I'm not sure if Sam, uh, Apple can actually do something about this. Can they actually fix this with software? Is this a software issue or is it truly a panel issue? Meaning something goes 
bonkers or something just doesn't register correctly on the panel every once in a while. Um, Aditya, good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, the black iPhone 12 mini looks good. It does look nice. I, I have to say that the, uh, definitely the, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what, this, I have to put this one up. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, Joe. It definitely. So first thing, Sabaho, good morning. Hope you're, you're in the fam are doing great. Um, and, uh, by the way, the, the beard is on point. I saw it last week when you guys were on the show, uh, with the across the podcast, that was just crazy there. Um, it definitely has a, a basically an interesting dilemma that Apple is still forcing people to even consider. This is very similar to the way Samsung is doing it, where they give you an option as a as a device option or a selection, which generally is the entry level into that as into that realm of devices. But it makes no sense for it to be 64 gigs because what happens essentially is unless you've owned the phone that you always reset and you never transfer any of your data and or you're paying a you know a monthly fee to have Apple storage on the cloud that enables you to basically clear up your clear out your internal storage to use 64 gigs. 64 gigs in 2020 doesn't make sense. 128 should be the bare minimum. And we've had this conversation when Apple used to sell the 32 gig iPhones as an entry level. And then at some point they moved away. And I think they only move away when it becomes the same conversation at the next tier or the next level. Um, the fact that they give us devices that are capable of shooting 4K 60 frames per second in really, really good footage on all the cameras that we have, and there are all the new technologies, they're still limiting you with that, meaning that if you do want to get a decent iPhone 12 mini with a decent amount of storage, you have to jump into the next tier level, which is more than the 750. Again, 750 is the entry level on by far the smallest physical size iPhone ever made. Um, now, I, I'm sorry, I'll take that back. Not ever made. The smallest iPhone that we can get within the recent years. Um, it's actually small enough uh, that, and I did say this a long time ago, it's physically smaller than the iPhone SE, which essentially was the small iPhone uh, that was released not that long ago. This was actually, this is a 2020 device, the product red model. And at this price point for about 350 bucks, I couldn't fault Apple to provide us a 64 gig model. I couldn't go, sorry, $399, sorry. Um, I, I couldn't fault them because the price was low. I think the, the entry level to me was like, okay, you want to get into the Apple ecosystem. You want to get in on an iPhone. You want a smaller iPhone. The SE fits that bill and it gives you that at about three, you know, 400 bucks and you wanted more storage. It was an extra 50 bucks. So that made sense to me. But enter the mini that is $50 more than what the 11 was last year, providing us exactly roughly about the same experience as the iPhone 12 and Again, 50 bucks more, 64 gigs as the entry level, and it also has that touch sensitivity issues. So again, I'm not trying to bag on the iPhone today. This is more of a kind of sharing a concern about after using it, the device. But let me jump in real quick in the comments and see uh, how everybody else is doing. Um, oh, Greg is in the comment. Good morning, Greg. How you doing, man? Um, Aditya is in there. not even seven minutes into the show we had our first uh timeout on the uh, on the actual stream but uh yes thank you appreciate that Mehmet and uh uh Davin Davis is in the comment good mornings uh <laughs> everybody oh night tech is in there and of course Greg all is in the in Greg Greg is jumping in with showing hashtag TKR Bay appreciate it man always um, so that was partially the beginning part of the conversation. I wanted to cover that with you guys, and I wanted to see what you guys thought about the iPhone 12. Obviously, uh, I, I would say that my channel is primarily Android related. I'm going to say like 95, 96% Android, but in the 
somewhat, I would say, in the off chance of every once in a while, you will see an iPhone show up on my channel. It's Android all the way, but that's 90% of what I do. Um, so the short answer, what I'm trying to say is it's a little bit concerning that something that starts at 750 bucks could have these type of issues. Now, I'm not going to address or trying to basically put any comparison saying that this physical phone or this phone is too small. I think this has this there is a consumer out there that is looking for what this has to offer in the size and and the reachability that it offers us. Um, I think the iPhone 12 mini is definitely an upgrade from what we could have imagined. Basically, the iPhone SE could have been when it came out. We wanted it to be roughly what the iPhone 12 mini is doing. We wanted a bigger display. We wanted the smaller form factor. We wanted touch ID. We wanted to see different things. We got mostly what we wanted, but essentially at the end of the day, the iPhone SE is an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 8 in a rebranded form factor for 2020 with the A13 Bionic. The iPhone 12 mini, again, is the latest and greatest iPhone 12 in a miniaturized size. That's pretty much what it is. Um, 5G connectivity on the on the iPhone 12 has been great. Uh, you know, outside of the touch sensitivity concerns, um, I think the overall usability is decent. It is a little bit small for what I usually like. And I, I want to say that I, think, I know at the time I got the, iPhone, uh, the, uh, the Pixel 5, I was a little bit concerned that I wanted actually the Pixel 5 XL or the Pixel 4 5G, which essentially the 4A 5G, which was, in my opinion, the 4A XL with 5G. Um, but I think, you know, it, it may actually makes the, uh, the Pixel 5 look like a big phone. Uh, and the Pixel 5 has some comparisons in there to it that I feel like are comparable, especially for what you're looking for, for the price point and what you get with that type of a device. Um, let me see real quick. We're seeing like a whole bunch of people jumping in. Uh, Okay, so Terry to, Terry to, uh, C, uh, Terry, uh, Terry uh, Siru saying, uh, but not many people are saying that the uh, the top model is fifty dollars cheaper com uh, comparing it to last year. It's not that it's it, the what it, what I'm what I'm essentially trying to shoot for here with with this comment, Terry is. We're looking at the entry level of the line of iPhones in 2020 and in 2019. In 2019, 699 was the entry level, and that was the iPhone 11. The iPhone 11 still exists. In There is the iteration of it, iPhone 12 now. Now that one's more expensive even. So what we got in 2020 is not that the upgrade, not that the iPhone 12, which was the successor to the 11, was 50 bucks more. It's that the new device that comes right at 50 bucks more is, again, the iPhone mini, the iPhone 12 mini. It's a smaller form factor. Um, but that's one of the things that you have to kind of consider. It's the hurdle that you have to get over what before getting into using the device. This is, I'm not trying to look at it in this, in the sense of the, you know, should you make this decision solely based on the price? If you're an iPhone user, you've been on an iPhone for quite some time. This is an ecosystem that you feel comfortable in. This is going to be a no brainer. Upgrading to the new iPhone is something that you probably already plan and you have a, a kind of a set upgrade schedule that you feel like is comfortable for you. And you are probably going to go with it. This is not going to be the decision that's going to sway one person from going to an iPhone ecosystem or an Android. Generally, you have basically your own experience, your own user experience with devices that you've used in the past or even your friends. And that's what helped. Well, that's pretty much what helps you kind of make the decision what, where you want to go. So I agree with you where the price point it may not be an issue. And I'm not trying to stick to that. It's more about um, you know, trying to pick up a device in 2020, should you pick up an iPhone 11 from last year, a used model or something that can be used in 2020 and still get the benefits and actually save some money and stay within the Apple, Apple ecosystem? I think the iPhone 11, so the 11 Pro Max from last year is a big phone. There's no question it's a big phone. Um, 
but you buy it because it's a big phone. You don't buy it because it's an iPhone uh, that just happens to have a big screen. You buy it because of everything else that comes with it. The bigger battery, uh, obviously the best, uh, the, the best that Apple has to offer in 2019, which is what this is. Now it is running the uh, iOS, uh, you know, um, I think the iOS 14.2 at this point, and you're getting all the benefits, but the short answer, at least in my, my experience, I wasn't expecting issues with the display on something that is, it is a little bit more than what it was last year. It is a new device. I give you that. Um, I like what they're doing with the almost all display that there is very little bezels on this. The notch is still there, but that's kind of now their calling card. The notch um, is just a little bit of a concern for me that this is something that we're, we're anticipating as an upgrade, as a move forward, but we're having an issue. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely going to be taking it in to try to see if I can actually get it replaced. Um, the, the main thing that I was really comfortable, at least, uh, I'm happy about the fact that I was able to catch it on camera. That I think was mostly what I was trying to pretty worried about because you know, if you've ever had a problem with a car, you always take it to the mechanic, you show up, you park your car, you get out, you're like, Hey, my car is making this weird noise, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you turn on the car and the car runs fine. It knows you took it to the mechanic and it's like, I am not showing you the mistake today. I finally got it. It was there. Uh, but I'm with you, Terry. I know a lot, a lot of people are getting into it, but if you are considering an upgrade, if you are a parent and you're thinking of upgrading your child's phone, you're upgrading your spouse's phone, whatever, whomever is deciding the money decision, that could be a decision a conversation there. If they just bought the phone last year, would it make sense for them to upgrade to the iPhone 12, which I feel like it's not really. It's more of the iPhone X and XS. Those are the devices or the iPhone owners that are more than likely jumping in onto this, mostly because of the differences that we get with the exception of 5G, which still kind of is debatable of how much benefit are you getting from 5g in 2020 that's going to be the biggest thing there yeah um at davin is uh, sorry davin davis is saying tk um i like it i like it i, I like the in the hand feel of the mini and the 12 the uh, disappointed to feel uh on how the pro models are so the pro model the standard pro model feels the exact same 12 as the 12 it's the pro max that becomes a little bit um, they, they, we went from what, at least I haven't had a personally chance to play with them. I, I need, I'm probably will when I go down to the Apple store, cause I, I do need to get this taken care of. This is not something that I should be as a consumer, as a, as somebody that buys a device, you should not have to worry about at the touch sensitivity issue whenever you need it. Um, this could potentially be a defect in the, in the panel. This could be a potential, uh, something in the hardware or that could not be repaired via software. And at this point, at least I haven't seen Apple acknowledging the issue as in basically they're, they're trying to work it. So for me, I probably will replace it and then go from there. Um, but yes, I, it, it's a little bit concerning for me, at least the way the, the pro, the pro and the pro max are very, are different now. They're no longer the same phone on a bigger size, which is what the 12 and the 12 mini is 12 mini is pretty much just a 12 and a smaller size. Um, Joe's thumping it, uh, jumping back in is I think I think the good Apple made the iPhone 12 mini. So I think it's good that Apple made the 12 mini uh, should see more Android devices uh, fall, especially with the Pixel 4 A. So I think it's an absolute. You're right. You're, you're totally right. I think the, the, the trend that we're seeing now with Apple jumping into this, which as much as I, I don't I, I feel like it's not. It's like, I don't know why we have that trend, but essentially it is. It's almost like everybody in the world can do something, but once Apple does it, they discovered it. And that's when people start to follow. 
Apple jumping into the smaller form factor, I think we're going to basically start seeing a trend of providing multiple sizes, a smaller form factor, a device like the Pixel 4a, the Pixel 5, although smaller forms uh, still are basically very powerful devices that we can definitely enjoy. So those are the things that I'm really happy to see uh, that at least the Pixel 5 definitely, uh, I mean, we also have to look at it as the, the Pixel 5 was actually designed and put together. The entire message behind the Pixel 5 was affordability and bang for the buck. That's the benefit. And of course, listening to consumer uh, requests. So we had the telephoto being replaced. And we also have obviously, uh, you know, the smaller form factor. We have the 765, not the 865. And that was also to kind of be able to help us cut the cost a little bit with it. So the short answer, or at least what we're looking at is, at, you know, the experience is starting to give us large displays with a max model and a mini display, which comes in basically what we see here. So the SE as well as the mini uh, for iPhone or for Apple in 2020 is definitely uh, starting a new drive. Um, but again, I hope that we can figure out a better way to um, you know, minimize issues and concerns for these type of uh, technologies. Uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, oh, IR1980, Sabaho, man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Oop, I noticed uh, like a, a few comments jump in and it takes everybody else. Um, the mini's battery is not enough. And, and that is actually, that's one of the other concerns. It's the fact that you're getting a smaller device, you're getting a smaller battery. Uh, but so just to kind of jump in right now, 5G is the first iteration. This is the first time Apple puts in a new 5G modem in there. So what we're seeing here essentially is a new, uh, is something in the system that's drawing more power and also looking for signals. So those are the things that they dealt with when we first went with 4G LTE. Battery was always a big thing, but I think iPhone users are typically more comfortable charging their devices periodically during the day. Not, I mean, very few devices can do all day. I can say this much, the 11 Pro Max, all day battery, easy. One of the reasons why I always go for the max model of most devices, it's the larger battery. Um, when Samsung put out the S20 Ultra, the S20 Ultra has a 5,000 milliampere battery. It's one of the, their largest batteries to date. Um, the Note 20 Ultra didn't go that high, but again, 4,500 milliampere still actually is pretty decent. Uh, the Fold, the biggest device that they've actually put out as far as a phone that you know folds in, uh, sorry, folds in and opens, also 4,500 milliampere. So the battery that we see here is definitely much smaller. The optimizations that they've done on uh, the A14 to be able to kind of give you that balance of power and, and of course, efficiency it will help you. But I can tell you that on a good day with taking pictures, checking social media and doing everything on the iPhone, uh, I tend to have to put it back in either on the charger or even in the car because I tend to use CarPlay or Android Auto whenever I'm driving. So it's not an atypical of basically saying my phone is off the charger all the time because when I'm in the car, I am putting it in. And when you do plug it in to use it for CarPlay, it does tend to charge a little bit. So it gives you a little bit of that, uh, kind of like a boost, a little bit of energy there. Uh, Davin is jumping back, or Joe, I think uh, they're talking with there. And let me see. Uh, oh, okay, Davin, Joe Hickey is jumping back in. So yeah, no, Mehmet is jumping back in. He's like, I, I use the M7, M51, which has a 7,000 milliampere battery. And I would be really interested to see, Mehmet, uh, how long is your battery life? Or how, how many, are you able to go to a day, a couple of days on a battery like that? Because typically we're getting 35 to 4,000. When you're jumping at the 7,000, that, that to me, in my mind, I expect at least a two-day battery, meaning you you take it off on Monday morning and you should have to basically, you shouldn't have to charge it till maybe Tuesday night. Uh, but let me know in the comments, what do you think uh, as far as the battery there? Um, 
Joe's jumping back in. Let me just, just scroll a little bit before it goes too far. The Pixel 5 is actually good, uh, is pretty good. My USB to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack doesn't work with it, though, which is a little bit of a concern. And that's, again, there there's things that are changing in the Pixel line. I mean, we're, we're seeing a shift in the way Google approaches the Pixel. There's a good chance that we may not see a, uh, like let's say an 865 or maybe what the 875 is going to be next year, uh, you know, once Qualcomm announces all the new chipsets and so on. But at the end of the day, I don't see it as a problem. I think what we've seen is that the mid-range chipsets are going to be very good, very powerful. And I think, you know, Google's doing really nice. And I just hope that they get into that moment where they're able to control their SOC. If they can figure out, if they can get into the point where they can get this situation and they are controlling hardware from this, from the processor all the way down to the actual unit, they will get so much more better efficiency as far as power consumption, but also pricing because they don't have to actually license and get hardware from another party. So those are the things you want to keep in mind. I mean, Apple with their M1 chipset now that everybody's talking about, um, I feel like everybody's praising the M1 chip because the M1 chip works so well with Apple's own software or optimized systems for them. And there's no surprise there. I mean, obviously, you know, Final Cut is going to work great on the M1 chip because that's what Final Cut is designed to work. It's designed to work on Apple hardware. And of course, they're running the latest version. To me, logical, in, you know, obviously, um, performance uh, improvements and boosts are always going to be benefit uh, when you're able to control every aspect of that device. Uh, and I think Apple was, for the most part, had that locked down when it came to iPhones with the, you know, obviously, their processors there, but the uh, iPads, same thing. It was their, basically, their PC line that was basically using either Intel or AMD. And those are the things that I'm really interested to see how they work. And right now, what we're seeing is a lot of people are using their M1 chipset with the integrated graphics. So those are the things that are using... Um, Apple Silicon, but they're also not using third-party GPUs like an, like an NVIDIA or an AMD GPU that could provide a little bit of a boost. But we're still seeing a lot of that, you know, obviously a lot of horsepower and a lot of performance improvements there. So we'll have to see how those things uh, go once we start seeing devices that carry those additional hardware. But I'm not sure why you're, um, I think, at, at least in that situation, uh, did you, sorry, for Joe's uh, comment real quick, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, are you using the original adapter that was uh, like one of the original uh, Pixel adapters that were around? Or are you using uh, just a, I think it just a one, one of the extra ones that you had from different devices? Because I'm almost tempted to say that it, this will probably only work with ones that are originally like meant for the Pixels. So let me see here if I have mine. So as, as we're talking about this, because now you got me interested, uh, I am going to go ahead. Let me go ahead and just try this out. I'm going to try. Uh, this is the Samsung uh, USB-C to 3.5mm jack. And... Okay. And I got my headphones, and I'll give it a second uh, just to, to boot up. I think the battery on that one overnight kind of took a little bit of a, dump, a tumble there, and we'll give it a second there. So that was with Joe, and I'll let you know, Joe, how that works uh, real quick here. Uh, da -da -da. Oh, man, yeah. So Exposed Tuesdays. Um, yeah, it's not it's not news exposed. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Android exposed uh, Exposed Tuesday. Yeah, the battery on the, on the Pixel 5 needs a little bit of juice. Okay, so we'll give this. Um, actually, you know, hold on. All 
Okay, we're going to give it a few seconds. I have it on the fast charger. Should be pretty good. Um, I really love those as well. Um, I, we need to bring those back uh, at some point when we're able to get a little bit more on routing and, and getting devices that are easier to root, uh, which also, and then of course, custom ROMs first. Greg is jumping back in, of course. Well, rooting, so Exposed Tools is used to basically, was my way of showcasing uh, basically sh uh, Exposed modules every Tuesday, new model modules, whichever I find that are you know interesting, new, bring in new features, new capabilities, and they tend to come out with uh, and those didn't necessarily need to run on a custom ROM. So those you could run on stock rooted ROMs uh, with a custom recovery. So you needed to have a custom recovery on your device, and you also needed to have it rooted. Uh, so that you can install basically the exposed uh, repository, exposed modules, and of course, uh, get everything set up. And Or in this situation now, you can pretty much just get it running with Magisks. So Magisks has that built into it now, so you're able to actually get it integrated. Uh, but yes, I, I really do miss those days as well. And uh, Greg's jumping back, of course, with uh, you know custom ROMs. And he's playing around with uh, installing Ubuntu Touch on uh, on his, I think, if I'm not mistaken, his uh, OnePlus 3, which is also very nice because that's one of the new new other devices that you're ROMs that you can run uh, if you're able to get it to run on the device that you're looking at, looking for. Um, the capacitive fingerprint sensor is good for business phones. Uh, thought, uh, what do you think, Davin? Um, so I'll, let me see if Davin jumped in on that one. I actually, I think it's good for everybody, especially in in the current situation. If anything, that kind of gave us a, a big wake up call to at least having devices that do not have or at least has one form of biometric. You know, what I mean is like a fingerprint sensor and face unlock or just having face unlock and no fingerprint sensing. Uh, I think I, iPhone users have had that concern, obviously, at the beginning of the year when we started all having to wear masks. We're still having to wear them in the stores and so on. And having, you know, when you're in the store and you're trying to use your Apple Pay or your Apple, you know, um, Android Pay, whichever, and you don't have a finger, physical a fingerprint sensor, the Pixel 4 XL definitely would have had that concern. Uh, although what I would probably say now is obviously the Pixel 5 fixed that problem. We now have a fingerprint sensor, which really is much better. And I feel like for business, this is something that could be uh, tremendously needed, uh, especially in these days where you just need to basically tap on the back, unlock your device. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked the, uh, the iPhone SE 2020. It's the fact that it still had Touch ID. This is literally the only phone in 2020 that Apple released with Touch ID because everything else phone, I said, if you just want to keep that in mind. I'm not talking about a tablet. Uh, but yeah, for sure, it's, it's one of those things you always want to keep in mind um, in there. Um, uh, Greg's talking about a device that you probably don't need to upgrade for at least a few years. Definitely, if you're able to upgrade your, your ROM, get it uh, running the latest version of Android, uh, or if anything else, even adding new features to it that weren't originally even put in there. Um, I have the Oppo Find X2 and the Samsung X, uh, M M51 and the NFC. So the Poco X3 NFC and the Find X2, I have the Pro, not the not the standard model. Uh, I, I, I like that one. The Poco X3 NFC is actually a very nice device. Uh, good morning, Gary. Gary, the fireman's in the comments. Good morning, sir. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Um, and then uh, let me double check here. Davin, oh, jumping back with Davin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's a lot of work, Greg. That's all I have to say. It's to, to be able to bring it back in. Um, and I feel like there's a, there's still a big demand for it uh, as far as exposed module and, of course, you know, getting rooted devices. But it's, it's starting to trend on the way down, which is a little bit of a... It's like I, I would almost type to, I would almost say at one point in time, every phone I got, I purchased based on the rootability of this device. That I literally, like I would say... Can I root this? Can I get this thing set, uh, running a custom ROM? Is there development going on around this device? And that would help me make my decision into buying this phone. Uh, 
but as, as time was going on and I started covering different devices that are not necessarily all in that aspect, the channel kind of changed my approach a little bit to uh, basically my purchasing decision. And because I tend to buy and sell a lot of my devices or some of them are not even mine, it's hard for me to be able to basically do the same what that we used to do in the past is, you know, root and mod a device. And then if I have to send it back to a PR company, it's not realistic because that device will end up going to another person to review. So the short answer is, it, the, the the system is a little bit different for me right now. I still root OnePlus devices because I feel like those are the, the easiest OnePlus, like you just jump into it. Um, I also love to run their betas and of course run custom ROMs there. So those are the ones I still definitely enjoy playing around with. Um, uh, just, uh, uh, Sibukli, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Good morning, welcome back to the chat. Uh, let me see here, Aditya. So, okay, so I was thinking about picking up the Pixel 5, uh, if it gets down to 599, thoughts about Black Friday sales. I think if you're thinking, so let's just say this, if you're considering the Pixel 5, if you're able to get it at 599 or a lower price, you're able to trade in something for it, definitely do it. Um, it's a really well-rounded device from what you're getting as far as what Google has to, uh, to offer you there. I feel like even though it's not as powerful as the Pixel 4 XL is in 2020, 2019, you're still getting um, very good daily driver, good battery life, very good camera system. We have now a, the standard and the wide on the back. And of course, with a front-facing camera, the, some of the best experiences when it comes down to camera performance, you know, of course, if you're talking about just video, uh, and not necessarily video, but mostly photography. And of course, just general day-to-day -day usage. I think that's definitely going to be the best option. And I think the Pixel 5 is a great device to pick up. Uh, if you're looking for a little bit less of a price, you can go with the Pixel 4a, uh, uh, sorry, the 5G. That's a bigger display, slightly bigger battery, not 90 hertz for the display, but it still is a pretty decent experience. And I think it's definitely something you would enjoy at DTI, of course. Um, Davin's jumping back in TK, the SE, the SE 2020 for older people who live on Touch ID, 12 mini is for the people who want the latest and smaller footprint. Uh, I agree. I agree. And, and, and I think it's, so to me is when I look at them is um, the iPhone SE 2020, even though for the, for the Touch ID functionality has a smaller display. So that's really where it gets a little bit of a, a conundrum, right? Right. Uh, the the mini is smaller, but it has a bigger footprint on the display where the SE is physically bigger, but it has a smaller display because of the chin and the forehead. But the touch ID on there is as fast as it's ever been. So for me, yes, you're right. It's kind of like that middle ground going on. And I probably would say if you're really comfortable with, with the SE and you like the form factor, I would definitely go with that. It's cheaper. It's something that you can still get the latest version of the iOS 14.2, uh, and it's going to look great. Uh, if you're looking to get it on something, let's say even on uh, like the iPhone mini, I think the mini is, is definitely a decent phone. It has a lot of good features. 5G on it is actually pretty fast. I almost got 200 down on T-Mobile in my area. Um, and I think it's something to keep in mind. It's, you know, it, they're improving it. They're putting new things in it. There's, it's not like it's skimping on anything other than the battery and the display. But for me, it's, it's again, that whole little... You know, so Apple throws us a four hundred dollar iPhone for you know for the for the iPhone SE, but then all of their other lines now are seven fifty and above. You know what I mean? Like we're we're no longer mid range. They basically have small entry level for for the inexpensive size, and then the entry level mini is you know sixty four gigs, which pretty much begs you to jump into the next level. Which again, it's it's what Samsung's doing with the Note twenty and the Note twenty Ultra. I, I don't think the Note twenty is really a good offering for what the Note should offer in twenty twenty. 
the compromises that they have done in that device are a little bit too much. They went with a, a lower quality physical body. So we're talking about a plastic body on a thousand dollar phone. It started at a thousand. I realize it's cheaper now. Um, we're also talking about the fact that it, it has a slower touch responsiveness than the iPhone, uh, than the Note 20 Ultra, has a uh, basically slightly smaller battery, again, small. Uh, now, the flat display versus curved edges, that's a preference. I think some people prefer the flat display. But the touch responsiveness of the S Pen being different from the 12 and the, sorry, the, the 20 and the 20 Ultra are a little bit of a concern. So, again, expensive phones should not have these type of issues. You really shouldn't be compromising or accepting a compromise when you're starting to think about your phones being a 750 and above. You know, when, when the notes start at a thousand and above and then iPhone now is 750, by the end of, you know, by 2021, the next iPhone will be at 800. And then, of course, keep pushing it. At some point, all iPhones will be above $1,000, and that's not really okay. That's not something we should be expecting. And for the iPhone users on, uh, on the general usage, I don't think it's something that we really need to kind of consider saying, like, every year I need to save up even more money now uh, to be able to get or afford the new iPhone that comes out. Uh, sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to harp on, iPhone, on Apple for, for what they're doing. It's just... The trend of a thousand dollar plus phone started with Apple, so it's the other end of a trend. Samsung followed them. Samsung's in the same boat now. Everybody wants to go to the thousand dollar phone, uh, and and of course they're giving us new tech. They're giving us new new compromise, not compromises, but new technologies. But then we see companies like LG, LG coming in with the uh, the Snapdragon eight sixty five with, uh, and I'm, I'm talking obviously with the V sixty here, and offers us V sixty at seven ninety nine in 2020 at the same time. But then very few people talk about it. Very few people even give it a time of day saying, well, we know what, it's LG, it's LG. LG is really playing a very big game in 2020. We saw three different devices from them this year, the V60, the Velvet, and then of course the Wing. All three of these devices are offering us very unique experiences at a very decent and a very comparable and actually market aggressive pricing. The Wing, being the first of the Explorer program is at a thousand. That's because that's the one with the new form factor, the swivel display. That's brand new tech. They didn't even cross a thousand. And if you really look at it right now, I'm, I was looking at some of the, uh, sorry, let me just do real quick here. I have a, uh, an email that I got in from one of our PR companies talking about some of their, their deals on the wing. And the reality is that the, uh, the iPhone, so here, so the wing is, where is my, where is it? Da, 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 da. Okay, so AT&T is selling it for $300 off with it if you trade in on it. Um, T-Mobile is doing buy one, get one free on the wing. And then if Verizon's doing, uh, I forgot what they're doing. I think they're doing uh, up to, yeah, so receive up to $650 um, off on the wing uh, as a promotion with, the, I think, with the new line. So again, all of these things that LG is trying to do in 2020s are going under the uh, under the radar. Um, we look at uh, you know we look at Sony. Sony offered us two devices in 2020, uh, and we obviously know that Sony is doing really good. The Xperia One Mark II was a big hit. A lot of people love it. I personally very much uh, enjoy this device. I love the camera system. I love what they did with the Xperia Five with the gaming focus on it. Now, yes, they did technically go over the thousand dollars on the uh, on the Xperia One Mark II. Uh, but I feel like that that's really more of a, a person that is looking for the camera optics there. This is not just a device that is a glowing rectangle for the for the sake of plugging in Juan Carlos's uh, subreddit. Uh, you know, R, it's R dash Android, and of course, if you check out, just search for glowing rectangles and check out the subreddit for Juan Carlos's uh, you know Patreon side. And it's one of the definitely a much better uh, group of people. A lot of the a lot of the folks in the comments obviously are big fans of that show. Uh, sorry, that subreddit as well as well as myself. 
Uh, and those are the things that you know you have to appreciate. It's what you can get uh, when the community comes around you. But again, I feel like Samsung and Apple are going year after year for that line, uh, that that one thousand dollar plus line. Um, Samsung's lineup for twenty twenty has quite a few devices that are plus, you know, the thousand up to fifteen, up to two thousand. I'm not going to deny the fact that you know, obviously, I did pick up uh, a Fold. That's a two thousand dollar phone. I traded in basically one of my more expensive phones just to be able to bring the price down. So definitely, sorry, I I feel like I went on a tangent here, and there's quite a few comments in here uh, talking about different things. Uh, and I'm hoping this is not going to jump on me. So I'm going to go ahead and just highlight Davin's comment just so I know exactly where I am. And let me just quickly go through here and see what we have. Sorry. Uh, yeah, just to kind of go back to, uh, to, to, to Greg's comment, it's a little bit, uh, I think it's a little bit of a presumptuous of them to, to think that they need to basically keep pushing the price up in, in, a, in a year of, you know, of the situation that's going on right now. People are home. Some people don't have money, and their offerings are, although great, that they're giving a they're giving us choice between four different iPhones. But again, seven fifty is the entry door. So the, the the fifth choice is very different and very distant from what the new iPhones are offering us. Um, what is your phone of the year? I'm starting to put my list together. I can tell you right now, there's a few. That, I can't I can't really pick into one phone yet, but I can say that the Pixel Five. Um, I think I want to say the V60, uh, definitely the Find X2 Pro are some of my uh, my devices that are on the top of that list. And believe it or not, the Pixel 4a is also on one of those uh, on that list as well. Not because of the inexpensiveness, but it's also because of what it offers at that price point. So there's a few phones coming up on my list, but I, I am going to be working on a top five of 2020. This year, we saw so many phones. There's been so many releases, consecutive releases. And I almost am tempted to say, if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, um, the Poco M3 that's going to be coming out hopefully soon. Um, I get hopefully going to be getting a, a unit myself. So we'll be covering that. So there are more phones to be released. And I, I will say this, which is a little bit surprising for me, um, but... Ah, we're back. Here we are with Goku again. So to kind of jump back real quick for a second there, at the beginning of the year, Sony announced two different devices. There's the Xperia 1 Mark II, and then there is the Xperia Pro. The Xperia Pro was supposed to be more of a creator-based type of a phone that worked very well with the uh, A7S III and, of course, or other Sony cameras. So it was an alpha camera type of a uh, device that also had super fast connectivity. So we saw a lot of information about that at the announcement, and then it's been quiet. Um, November is practically done, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, this week or sorry, beginning of next week, obviously we have a holiday here, you know, Thanksgiving in the US. So for the most part, you know, Black Friday sales and all that. I don't anticipate anybody releasing a phone uh, in the middle of that week. Oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. The 24th is the M3 from Poco. Uh, but I meant to say essentially is that, you know, there's a month or so left of the year and we haven't heard that much about it. Um, I've tried reaching out. I've tried to find out more information. So I'm really anticipating or eager to find out what's going to happen with that phone. Uh, let me jump back real quick to the comments before we get too far. Uh, IR9080 is saying, an integrated modem uh, on the SOC will always be more efficient, hence the 765G being the sweet spot for this year. And the 865 and the iPhone 12 series uh, will always sip uh, a bit more, sorry, yeah, will always sip more power due to separate 5G modems. The, the concern that you're always, and uh, so for, 
for, for supporting your comment right there, IR is it's it is absolutely absolutely there. Uh, you're on point with the sense of what you're getting there as far as you know power efficiency and of course the architecture of the SOC. I think what 765 series did for us this year is it elevated the mid-range processor and it elevated the experience of what a mid-range device can give you to what we used to expect the flagship at I would say a few years back when 700 bucks was an expensive phone. Galaxies used to be 700 bucks. I want to say the uh, the Galaxy S9 or the S8 started at 700 bucks on T-Mobile for us in the US and I was like, "Wow, that is expensive." We were starting to go up in price, but every year, as usual, price go up a little by little, little by little, little by little. And at the end of the day, again, we're paying for these companies advertising ca campaigns. That's pretty much what it comes down to. The bigger the campaign budget, the bigger the uh the bigger their development because we're not seeing groundbreaking earth-shattering you know, year over year improvements, we're seeing minor spec bumps generally done by the third party processing. So I feel like the majority of the horsepower benefit that we got with 2020 devices was done because of Qualcomm. Qualcomm did 90% of the heavy lifting. The 765 and the 865 carried a majority of our processors. The A14 comes along and I feel like on a daily activity running your operating system, the iOS 14.2 will feel exactly the same on the A13 as it does on the A14. With the exception of very minor, specifically hardware-driven things that you can only do on the A14, you're not going to miss that difference between the two. But that's truly the big thing here, is that we're looking at incremental upgrade, but incremental price increases every year. It's understandable that the technology will get better every year, but it's maybe a harder case to make once you basically add that 5G price tag increase. The moment you throw the word 5G on a, on a device, suddenly it's an extra 50 bucks uh, because of the word 5G. So we'll have to see how things go there. But uh, I definitely am really, really appreciating what the 7 Series is offering us this year. And I hope with the 775, or I'm not sure, you know, whichever number they end up going with, I'm hoping the 775 because 875. Um, it, it will also carry on with that. And then, of course, we'll see some improvements as far as the 5G connectivity, maybe better power management on both the 8 series and the 7 series. Um, let's see here real quick. Uh, oh, Greg's jumping in and says, okay, I'm still using the Xiaomi Mi 8 on a custom ROM. <laughs> hey, man, if you're able to hang with it and, and upgrade it uh, whenever you want, that's the best way to do it. Uh, Gary's jumping in. Uh, oh, yeah, he's saying hello to everybody. Uh, Terry Sidhu is saying is, by the way, um, will you review the shortcut apps on iPhone? Seems not many reviewers did this. Uh, that is pretty useful to, uh, if you, you if you use at the Apple ecosystem. Uh, I'll definitely include that. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's it's something that I'm I'm trying to round up my uh, my experience with the iPhone 12 mini. Uh, the only thing I'm trying to finish off first is I need to go down to the Apple store and I need to trade this in. Uh, they told me that they were going to have uh, units in the store uh, actually on Monday. So I'm needing waiting. I'm waiting to Monday to go in because if they don't have units for me to replace, I don't want to just go in and return it. I want to be able to get a unit. I don't want to have to, you know, if people are pre-ordering or so on, I, I want to get a replacement unit. And also one of the other big things that I like about it is it's so new that there is no refurb. There's no chances I'm getting something that has been reconditioned. This is going to be a brand new unit again. So I'll definitely have to keep that in mind. But thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Terry, for that for that recommendation there. Um, hold on, let me see. Oh uh, yeah, Greg's jumping base. Okay, my mine lasts all day and it's running a custom ROM. So one of the things that Greg obviously is trying to allude to or talk about here is 
Custom ROMs tend to have custom kernels in them. They're also help with power management and power efficiency into the actual system. Um, but you're also writing custom ROMs will also help you remove some of those background processes that are inherently built into, uh, I, I call those as carrier locked version of devices when you're picking them up from a company. Um, and this is something that we used to do all the time. Uh, this is it's essentially it's, it's something that is intended to help the carrier more so than the user. You are buying the phone. You are putting your hard-earned money. You're pretty much paying retail for what it is, maybe over installments and so on. But at the end of the day, that device, because it's locked, because it's a device that is consent intended to run either on a specific carrier, you know, be it Verizon, whichever, uh, has specific software made by that company that runs on the background, and that sometimes can also kill the battery. So custom ROMs, definitely one of the big reasons why people appreciate and love those as well. Um, IR is jumping back here is uh, here in the UK already we are seeing very good 24 months contract deal for the Pixel 4a, 4a, 5G and the 5 cropping up. I think those are great, great, especially because when you're looking at the price point that they're coming up, they're very priced. I, I really want to really emphasize the fact that I really feel that the Pixel 5 is priced right. It's priced right for what it offers you. It's not it's not a mid-tier. I'm not trying to configure it into, well, this is a mid-ranger. I truly believe it gives you a flagship experience at the price point of what you're getting for a 765 series because of the optimizations done on the software end. That's really where we benefit from. You know, again, that's one where I feel like if if Google decides to get into the trying to make in their own SOC where we will see you know, Android Excel even more. The ability of controlling it will just get you even more, especially when you're able to tune it to the hardware that you're trying to put together. And I'm happy that you guys are able to get the contracts. Uh, in the US, we are seeing, I think T-Mobile has the Pixel 5 and typically we've seen pixels start showing up um, and you're able to basically upgrade from older devices. So there's no question that you'll be able to get a good deal. Uh, and again, 350 bucks for the Pixel 4a, in my opinion, one of the best bang for the buck phones of 2020 for sure um for those that are interested you can buy a oneplus 8 pro for 799 dollars and get a free pair of oneplus buds yes this is one of their other uh, you know their other deals that they're doing right now again uh I'm, I'm not trying to say that you know apple and samsung are the only options but you know we have to pay attention oneplus has also did a interesting uh you know shift or at least i would say uh an approach to uh what they're offering in 2020 as far as devices we saw them in 20, uh, 2019 released three you know four devices that are in generally basically you know two versions of devices that have a slight bump upgrade a spec upgrade and then in 2020 we decided to go or they decided to go with the 8 the 8 pro and the 8t three different devices that cover three different aspects of what you want to get out of your phone you get the a the entry level the 8 not the a um, the 8T, which essentially gives you that gaming capability, 120 hertz. Um, and of course, you're getting the 65 watt charger. You get the flat display. You still get a big display there. And of course, similar camera optics to what you got with the 8. But then you go into the Pro and then you go into Crazy Town. You get, you know, obviously the 30 watt, you're not getting the 65, but there's a good chance that that was just more of a timing release. But you get wireless charging, reverse wireless charging. Honestly, some of their best cameras to date on a OnePlus is on the 8 Pro. So yes, 799, I agree. Uh, it's a great deal if you're able to pick up one of those. And I honestly feel like the design on the 8 Pro is also really, really nice. It has the curved edges, all the sexy things that people like to look at on, 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 on expensive phones. Uh, and it actually has pretty fast internal storage and RAM, which is really, really nice. Um, uh, Clove Technology in the UK has the Xperia 5 Mark II for £599, 200 off with dual SIM. Uh, we have actually the dual SIM model uh, 
also selling in the US on uh, BNH photo. They imported that as well. Um, I think the dual SIM should be the standard for all devices. I, I'm realizing that um, when when LG is able to give you a, a phone that's or, well, even step up, if OnePlus is able to release or bring the Nord, okay, so they brought the Nord N10 uh, to the European market and they brought that with an SD card. That's a OnePlus phone with an SD card in 2020. Mind you, it's not a flagship and it's not trying to be. This is a Nord, obviously, mid-range uh, territory. But I'm really happy to see that OnePlus even is trying to re-embrace the, the SD card uh, scenario. So expandable storage will always be nice. And of course, uh, the Pixel 5, uh, the, the Pixel, sorry, the Xperia 5 Mark II is a great, great device. I really like that one. The model that I saw, by the way, also did have the dual SIM, but it was a dual SIM or single SIM and an SD card. So you had that. Uh, I'm not sure if, if the one that you have uh, IR is two two SIMs with an SD or is the two SIMs, uh, one SD, one SIM, if you're trying to use it with an SD card. Um, the USB-C audio is, uh, uh, oh, sorry, is as much of a disaster as the standard still is as in 2020. And I think it's because of the way we... Uh, we, well, it's because what happens is a lot of companies are shifting, right? They're moving along. And let me just do this real quick. I think that should give me enough juice. Yep, forty percent, which is what I was expecting. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and boot up the uh, the uh, the Pixel Four, the Pixel Five, real quick for um, for Joe. I wanted to make sure just to double check the dongle that I have here from Samsung. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's almost a disaster because it doesn't get implemented correctly. It doesn't get implemented the, in, in the same way with different carriers. Um, they're not including them in the boxes anymore. So now it's, it's almost like you got to buy a pair of wireless headphones at the same time, or just use the speakers that you have on the phone. So that to me is a little bit of a, you know, we're starting to see things missing out of the box soon. We'll just get a phone. I mean, it's it's one of those things that okay. I understand you're 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 using the the you know the 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 conversation of you're trying to save the world situation, uh, but it's more you need to kind of understand that you know not everybody has the same means and not everybody's going to be able to buy, uh, you know, a, a I would say, what is it called, a pair of headphones at the same time. So, Joe, real quick, I'm going to jump onto this just to double check. So, uh, Joe, if you have a chance to be able to pick up one of those, um, just pick up one of the Samsung ones. The Samsung adapter works uh, perfectly on my Pixel 5. And I was I was pretty tempted to say that I think that's one of the more universal ones, closer to what we used to have with the first uh, generation Pixel uh, adapter that used to be included in the box. I don't know if you remember the, uh, that one. That one was actually pretty universal. So it does actually work on here if you're looking for something to be able to use with yours. Uh, let's jump back in here. We have Greg. Oops. I think I jumped back really far. Okay, the OG LG. Oh wow. Okay, Aditya Neil is in the comments. Hey man, good morning. Sorry, I didn't get to. <laughs> I didn't get there. Uh, let me see here. Oh man, I missed a lot of comments. Okay, I'm gonna try to see if I can get to most of them. Um, so IR 1980. I saw your comment regarding the LG. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Matt was letting me was saying that the wing will be coming to the uh, to the UK. So I realized the V60 and the Velvet didn't make it, but I'm hoping that the uh, at least the the wing will definitely bring in a lot of hope uh, in that market as well. Um, 
the V60 uh, brand uh, brand new with dual with dual screen for the same price as the Pixel uh, Pixel 5 S20 FE. If you need a full performance, it, it ain't even a close. The V60 crushes both. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, there's a few things I would probably say on the camera side that maybe in photography, maybe that Pixel can provide us. But at the end of the day, when you really look at it from an all around type of device, pen and input, dual screen option, large battery, large display, stereo speakers. I really think the V60 is one of the ones, one of those devices that are at the top of that list. That's why I'm, I'm really putting that list together and trying to get that list to go. Um, Mehmet mentioned here that he did use the iPhone, uh, the Samsung S20 FE, but it has some problems. Um, I had that one as well, and I, I don't. I want. I would say that it, it didn't have any problems for me in the sense of what I was anticipating. I, I got what I was expecting. It's for the most part a tailored experience of what the S20 is offering. Uh, I found it a little bit confusing to be releasing it at the end of the year around the S, the Note 20 because we already had three S20 phones to start with. We have the S20, the S20 uh, Plus, and then the S20 Ultra. And now we have the S20 FE. So short answer, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a less expensive S20 with, um, I, I would probably say, you know, a, a reasonable price. That's really what it is. A, a good bang for the buck. But not everybody is looking for that type of S20, really. When you look at the S20, you're looking at a much higher experience there. Uh, oh, Joe jumping into good day, Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, DTF, man. Good morning. Good morning, man. Uh, James W. saying, I wish the carrier's V60s were rootable. Not only that, I wish they were easily, easily unlockable. Uh, but yes, no, it, it, this is one of those... Um, I think to kind of go back to the whole Exposed Tuesday comment, kind of going in, it, we're starting to see a lot more locking down of the bootloader. The bootloader is becoming more of a harder thing to unlock. OnePlus luckily has not even got into that point, uh, but it's something to keep in mind when you're looking at a smartphone. If you're used to uh, rooting and modifying devices, if you can't unlock the bootloader, it's a non-starter. I mean, with, that, with the exception of using stock ROMs, meaning trying to shift from one region to another's version of the ROM for that same device, you can't really do much with a device that has a locked bootloader otherwise. So yes, definitely. It's harder. It's um, it's not as easy. And by the time I feel like a method is discovered to be able to get to that point where you're able to root it or modify it, the device may not be as, as popular and people have probably already moved on. So it's kind of a, it depends on how much you really like the phone. That's pretty that way. Uh, Greg's jumping in. Yes, LG did lock in their bootloaders pretty pretty well, actually. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know, Joe. Okay, so Juan, if you're in the comments, man, if you're in the comments, we know where you are. We know where you are, man. Um, uh, Donald, Don Lazima saying, hey, TK, uh, finally got rid of the V40 Sprint. Now Verizon LG V60. Thank you for the advice. Absolutely, man. I Seriously, the, the, the V60 is truly truly that silent device that people don't realize a you can still pick it up and b it still is a very relevant uh device for what it offers the upgrades that we saw on the v60 i i, I kid you guys not uh, in the pr meeting where i sat down and i was with a few few of the other you know creators and, and, and media people um and they were announcing all of the different you know the different features it's like one after another i was like wow 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 those are the things that I really appreciated about what LG did this year is they listened to what people wanted. 
the one thing that I would probably say if, if you're if you really wanted it is I wanted them to release an unlocked model of this phone, not because I don't think that having a relationship with the carriers would help them. But I also feel like it's for the people that are, you know, like us that like to buy unlocked devices that want to be able to buy an LG and maybe use it on AT&T and switch over to T-Mobile, but keep your phone, not have to rebuy the same phone again. That's about my only thing, but I feel like I understand what's going on. It's it's that carrier relationship that you know LG needs to stay in the market, and they need to make some concessions into how the carriers want the devices to be done. Because there's more than likely, if it's a locked model that LG is selling, that that model could be rootable much easier. And I think that's probably what's going. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. But uh, we'll have to see what LG does in 2021. Realistically, I mean, th there, there's a re at least when I when I was talking to Juan Carlos, says it seems like the G series and the V series are are almost out, and we're going to start seeing what the new evolution is of, on the LG side. Samsung's doing the same thing. They're revamping their lineup. They almost want to say like, look, we're going to put everything behind us and we're going to move forward with a new type of devices. And uh, the one that I'm really interested to see is what can the sorry, the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 2 FE does? Because that to me is the one that people are going to jump on. Uh, <laughs> jumping back here. The new iPhone SE, Devin Mendez. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it is new. It is, it is, it's new. It's just running the A13 Bionic, not the A14. And of course, but it is running the latest version of the software. Uh, and it def definitely does answer what people are looking for. It's a smaller form factor iPhone in 2020 that doesn't cost an arm and a leg, or at least not going for the arm and a leg, uh, you know, conversation there. Um, IR is jumping back with the uh, the Pixel 4a will be uh, for everyone uh, on everybody's top list. Google hit it out of the park with that phone. I can't say enough about how that was a just a surprise because it. And, I, and the reason why I use this analogy when I use last year's price model and then compare it to the current year, if you use it and you see what they offered, they went with a bigger display, a better bezels as far as, you know, smaller bezels, a bigger display, same roughly the same form factor. Just actually selling starting point at 50 bucks less than the 3A did last year. Now, they didn't offer us a 4A at the time. But again, for 350 that was sold like everywhere. You could not get the Pixel 4A. And you probably still are going to have a hard time getting the right one. And they also just released a barely a new version of that recently, too. So if you're looking, they actually have multiple colors as well. Um, never knew that the GA had an air just, um, so yeah, no. Um, so, uh, I think Aditya is the one who picked up the, uh, uh, the brand new, uh, so he, he picked up a G8 and, um, it, I, I, and I think Aditya kind of said the same thing last time. It's essentially, it has that force gestures. Um, the G8 and the pixel four XL were the two devices them, uh, during that year that offered that experience, the gesture functionality. Um, and this one actually had a little display where you're able to see your hand gesture on the display. So, uh, it's unique. It's definitely very nice, but it still benefited from all of the LG technologies that we always love. And I really hope that LG does not give up on the headphone jack, at least on their entire lineup. I realize that the, the flip doesn't have that. Sorry, the Z, the starting to mix up my, uh, the wing does not have, the LG wing does not have a headphone jack. Uh, and it also has a single mono speaker. So I'm hoping, again, we'll see some improvements in the next generations on the Explorer program. Um, 
James W said, I have the Pixel 4a 5G. I don't know if I'm going to keep it. Um, James, I would love to know what, you, what what are some of the concerns that you're looking for? Because I was actually looking into picking up uh, picking up one myself just to check out because that, I feel like that's the, about the only one that I don't have a, a reference. Of, it's, the, it's the biggest Pixel that they've released and I don't know why. Um, well, I actually don't know why I didn't haven't picked it up yet. That's maybe that's a better way of saying it. Um, uh, Aditya, Aditya OG. I love that one. Davin is jumping back with that one. Oops. Joe, uh, <laughs> book off. Uh, let's see. 765G um, is, uh, the, sorry, is the best processor in terms of power and efficiency. I agree. I agree. And for what, what it's offering us on the, for the, for, for, I'm not going to say average, I'm saying for, for daily usage, for daily content consumption, uh, media, social media, posting pictures, uh, general, you know, uh, editing, producing uh, pictures, editing them, uh, minor, you know, type of experience. I feel like it does really nice. Um, what I feel like the limitation that we're, we would get with the 765 right now is that um, not a lot of people are using it for the full potential. I think some people are using it mostly just to hit that price point because it's less expensive. But it, it is ultimately providing us a better solution for uh, for the fact that you know you know thousand dollar plus phones are not always going to be the right answer for everybody. Uh, they may sound and look flashy, but I don't feel like everybody buys those phones. It's almost like saying that an airplane that has uh, basically first class and business class makes most of their money there. In reality, they do charge more, and there'll be you know less people that go into those cabins. And most of the charges, or most of the people that are going to be getting uh, on those airplanes, are going to be in the economy seats, which are going to be more of the reasonably priced side, because that's really where everybody's making their decisions. Uh, we look at expensive phones, we give them the time of day, but at the end of the day. When you go into the store, your pocket is going to have a big, big part in that decision of what device you pick up for yourself, for your family, for your child, and what you're looking to keep for how long. That's definitely going to be something to keep that in mind. Um, let me see here. Oh, here. So, um, uh, 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 Abis, sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not going to try to mess up your name because I'm having a hard time saying that one. Um, is the iPhone 12 256 gigs um, a worth buy over the iPhone 11? Um, so, which version of the iPhone 11 I would probably say is the better question? Because you said the iPhone 12 256 is obviously a storage, but if you're looking at the 11 256 against the iPhone 12 256, uh, I would probably say the iPhone 12 uh, 11 is probably a better deal for you if you're getting the same storage capacity. I don't think realistically jumping into the 12 is going to give you that much more other than 5G. Again, depending if you have 5G in your area, um, I don't really see that that there's going to be a much of a difference there. I, I really believe that if you were considering more of it, you're coming in from an iPhone 10 or an iPhone X or an XS, those are the ones that are going to be an easier sell. Um, James W jumping in. I'm, uh, so I'm looking forward to the 775G for the LPDDR5 support and UFS 3.0 and above support. Uh, better camera capabilities and hopefully better uh, in, uh, integrated 5G modem. And of course, MM Wave uh, tax is ridiculous. It is. It is absolutely ridiculous. And the reality right now, at least with the MM millimeter wave technology, um, Verizon is about the only one that has it. And at least Verizon's also shifted their approach. And now they're off offering the sub six type of uh, 5G across the state. Uh, across the country because for the longest time their claim to 5g was in specific spots and only in specific spots but then they were running with the whole fastest 5g conversation at the end of the day yes certain locations very specific locations will have 5g connectivity and those are the ones that you're obviously going to be enjoying it there but on average 
I think we we would benefit more from faster subsect uh, type of technology similar to what we had with Sprint. Sprint was rough, was going around roughly about 400 to 500 megabits down as opposed to what we're seeing now roughly about, you know, 80 to 150, 160 on the what the technology we're seeing with AT&T and T-Mobile. Again, not necessarily that they're not 5G connectivity, it's just when you compare to the fact that you're able to get up to 220 with 4G LTE on T-Mobile in certain spots, that's not really speaking too much on the, uh, on the speed. So it's almost like we have the label, we have the indicator at the top on the phone, but we're not getting the phone that really does so much more with what it's doing than what it did before. Uh, what is more important for your battery, camera, screen, sorry, what is more important for you? Battery, camera, screen, SOC, being mini or on the max. Um, so the reality of the matter is we use our devices, or at least I use my devices for consum for consumption the most, but I also use my device to control things, meaning uh, social media, uh, managing my channel, managing my content. So a large display and a big battery will always be a very important for me, big factor for me. If I'm not looking to produce things out of it, the SOC, I think mid-range would be more than capable to what I'm looking for. I don't necessarily need the 865 to have it running. Again, you don't need a Lamborghini just to say you have a car that can go pretty fast. You can have uh, you know, like a Honda or anything like that that can do pretty decent speeds, and it still gives you the experience that you want with a very really nice car and shiny, all the new efficiencies that you get with a nice car, with a brand new you know car. But you don't necessarily have to pay the you know through the roof price. So yes, I, I would probably say battery, uh, battery and screen size are going to be my main. Um, the cameras need to be decent, but that also kind of goes into the SOC because that also helps how the camera performance goes in. So it's more of a software situation. But I would probably go battery and camera first. Uh, sorry, battery and display. I want my phone to last the longest possible because I need I like I need to be able to use it for the for a long uh, a long duration of time there. Um, Okay, I see DTO is answering a few people. Oh, wow, hold on. <laughs> uh, sorry, Matt Tyler's in the chat. Thank you very much for the super chat right there. He's, sorry, guys, been busy with work today, but I wanted to drop in and show support. I love hashtag TKR Bay. Um, and congratulations, Matt, for getting your... Uh, I saw the comment this morning. Sorry, I, I missed it yesterday. Um, so, so happy that you were able to get your PS5 set up and running and Warzone is running there. So we'll definitely set up some time and uh, play some, uh, you know, uh, Call of Duty Warzone in the near future. Uh, I'll be playing you on the PC. So we'll we'll see how the PS5 does. Hopefully... You're already good with the PS4, so I'm pretty sure the PS5 can definitely knock it out of the park for you there. Uh, <laughs> Donald Sabaha, man. Sabaha, I know what's that. Joel, um, so I have, sorry, Joel will be saying is, I have not seen many of uh, many of big YouTube YouTubers coming out and telling the truth about the iPhone 12. Um, Pro Max camera, how underwhelming it is. Uh, I, so I haven't had, so... I made a decision when the iPhone 12 came out that I was, was first, I wasn't going to pick up the iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro. The 12 and 12 Pro to me are identical in the same form factor, but for the most part, you're getting just the additional camera sensors there. You're starting to get some improvements over the two. The price difference was decent, re reasonable between the two, uh, but I didn't feel that they were an upgrade enough for me from what I currently have, which is the 11 Pro Max. Um, then when the Pro Max came out and the Mini came out, I wanted to kind of look at both of them and I'm making the decision, which one should I pick up? At 750, I felt like the Mini was expensive enough that I would feel like it's more unique of a conversation to kind of have. So 
as far as the overall experience, what's going on, no device is perfect, but I feel like very few people are covering the fact when Apple makes them, when Apple devices have issues, then when let's say a Samsung device has an issue or even a pixel device has an issue, it's like almost like we all jump into it and we're able to kind of give uh, Apple the, the pass on this. Um, I shouldn't expect a phone that starts at 750 bucks to have display issues. That's just flat, flat out. And I'm not the only one. So, Again, the, the question of what can we do? What is the, the solution to this? For me right now, I'm going to have to go back into the store, trying to get a unit, hopefully in the same color, um, and, and solve my problem there with Apple. Uh, if I can't fix it, then, then I'm going to have to return the device and wait for when devices become more available, as this is still that whole launch time. I mean, people, everybody still wants to get them. There's the holidays. Different things are playing a factor here. So the short answer, what we're going through is we just want to make sure to get the best solution at the press that at the best time possible, right? So I, I appreciate your comment there, of course. Davin's jumping back in. Um, do you feel OnePlus is stretching itself too thin with these releases in 2020? Um, I think what OnePlus is doing this year is it was almost as 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 different as they what they did last year, right? Um, last year was the first time when they decided to start releasing devices in specific markets, right? So we had the seven releasing in Europe, not releasing in you in, in the US. So we had Europe. Receiving the seven. Welcome back. On the clock. Um, I, I think their approach to kind of summarize it, sorry, because I kind of kept going before the screen side did this thing. The What they're doing essentially is figuring out that right medium, right? Last year, they released four different phones, the 7, the 7T, sorry, the 7, the 7, the 7 Pro, the 7T and the 7T Pro. Those are four different devices that were released in 20, uh, 2019 that are not necessarily the same. In 2020, I feel like, although I feel like the release cycle was a little bit off, I still really find that they're actually their solution is really nice. They gave us three different devices that are running the same processor. So there's not one benefit over the other. The 8, the 8T, and the 8 Pro all run the same device, same SOC, the 865. Different combinations, different feature set. And I think the 8 Pro, in my opinion, is the best of all three. Uh, basically for feature set and again for now being $799 as far as the price point. Um, it's when you start looking at the fact that Nord came back in 2020 and Nord by the end of the year has three devices. So the OnePlus Nord line has three phones. The OnePlus phones, the standard phones, are also running three. So we have six OnePlus phones in one year going from four the year before. And last year's phones were primarily just a, a spec bump from one version to the other. I, I think this is a better solution. I, I don't know if six was the right number to jump in on everybody, but they kind of covered the gamut from... 150 bucks all the way to a thousand dollars when it comes down to pricing for OnePlus phones. So you have a selection from the N100 to the N10 to the Nord to the 8 to the 8T to the 8 Pro. Yes, that's the whole lineup. Um, and you can pick whichever one you get. And regardless of whichever one you get, you're still getting that OnePlus experience. The Nord is a little bit of an interesting conversation because of the way they're putting it in. I realize that the N10, although more price friendly, won't receive as many updates as far as uh, as as the other devices. So there's a little bit of um, 
uh, trade-offs that we need to make uh, with this conversation. So yeah, definitely one of those things I always want to see how they do it and and hope that we can see. Uh, my hope essentially is that they just basically, uh, I would say, maybe stick to what they have right now. Oh, TK, <laughs> you managed to sell the P Yes. Um, in the UK, uh, we have people selling the PS5 for double uh, and on eBay, Facebook, and Marketplace. It's... Um, so I, I was I was very much adamant about trying to make sure that I get retail. There's no question that there is there it's the same thing here. So I there is a the, the site that I usually like to go buy things off of is Swap. I usually sell my devices back on there. Um, they had them too. It, it was basically doubled. I mean, there was a few people in my area that were like for for the the disc model that they were asking like 1250 1260 bucks uh for a retail unit that sells for 500 i mean it's already expensive retail but to triple the price just to get the unit uh, and i'm not sure how many of them sold it at that price but the average price was still about one point i would say maybe a 1.7 factor of the original price and it's hard it's hard right it's I, I'm not trying to justify. I'm not trying to justify and say that what they're doing is right. I think what they're doing essentially is taking the opportunities of people that truly want to buy these devices to play with them. Meaning, like you, me, and you know uh, Matt Tyler that want to actually get these, uh, you know, the 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 either PlayStation Five or the Xbox uh, Series X because we truly appreciate the platform and we want to be able to enjoy them at our home. They're buying them and reselling them, and because of what they're doing. Um, Last week, when I was standing in line trying to go to uh, Walmart, Walmart had there was a mistake on Friday where they, their system somehow showed local stores having certain stock. It turned out to be, and I don't know how realistic it is, it, it, the, the numbers that they were showing us were pre-orders being delivered to the store for people to pick up. But anyways, um, I was standing in line and it was four people ahead of me or four or five people ahead of me. But as we were waiting for the store to open up, one person brought in two other people and they're all standing there talking about how much money they're going to be able to resell these devices for so it was very disheartening saying that you know the the chances of me you know average joe to go get it i'm not trying to resell it is you know diminished by just the factor of what they're doing so I, i'm really sad to see how thing is um but i also feel like i think apple it's not apple i think uh, sorry um playstation sony as well as uh, microsoft should have planned better for the year of, of the current situation. They know people are going to be home. They know people are going to be more likely buying it online. I'm still trying to find out or wrap my head around that there are still some retailers trying to do Black Friday doorbusters, meaning with social distancing and trying to keep people safe, they're still trying to get people to kind of, you know, stand outside in, in lines in front of their stores on, on Black Friday or, you know, Thanksgiving evening to try to sell things for, a, you know, a little discount for depending on what item you're trying to pick up um, and still do that responsibly so those are the things i i feel like they should have planned better they should have had more sales and be more realistic um, walmart finally started to actually put in some uh, bot fighting maneuvers where they're putting uh, the captcha checks uh, but it's almost impossible to buy it through their website they've restocked it a few times every time i see it i add it to my shopping cart and i try to go through the checkout process and guess what before i'm even able to go through it just it's out of the shopping cart and it happened over and over and um it, it's frustrating but yes um it, it is it is really bad uh, i luckily was able to get one on retail but it was part of a bundle but luckily it was a good bundle that i liked uh, there's one piece that isn't something that i, I wasn't necessarily very f uh, fond of but the good thing is because i bought it from the store i'm able to actually once i get my system i'll be able to trade that in for something else for the playstation or even pick up maybe some dragon ball stuff uh, those are the things that i'm actually interested in but yes thank you joe 
Um, oh, I think we jumped on that one. Joey B, I think you were jumping in there. Oh, Marilyn is in the comments. Hey, good morning, Marilyn. How are you doing? Uh, oh, okay. I think I jumped in. Okay. Uh, okay, here. Let me see here. Um, oh, so uh, Fat Produce is jumping in. I wonder why uh, these sorts of issues keep cropping up in standard glass slab devices that are around $1,000 plus. Um, I, I want to say it's... I don't know if it's the new tech. I don't know if it's the the rush to production type of thing. They need to be there. They need to make it really, really nice. Or it could just it could have been basically, uh, you know, a slip of, uh, you know, QA uh, in their the quality assurance department at the time. But it, I, I would say it's the first batch. If anything, there's definitely going to be able to fix it. Uh, my goal is to try to replace it, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, Scott's, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, man. Um, Mehmet saying, what do you think of Meizu? So I've used Meizu devices in the past, and typically they tend to be uh, a great features. They have they usually tend to be a good price for the feature kind of feature set that they offer us. Um, haven't had a chance to play with them much here in the US. The uh the UI, the I think it was a Flyme OS, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken on the name, um was a little bit uh too different than the standard ROM, but I typically just install my custom ROM on it anyway. So overall, I think Meizu devices were uh, very nice. Uh, they did, sorry, uh, for a while, they were offering uh, very interesting technologies with new developments in their tech. So I definitely appreciate what they're offering. Uh, but I, unfortunately, again, in the US, we just don't have that. And it's very, very minimal coverage as far as in the recent years. Meizu kind of kind of on gone under radar for, for mostly, at least on our side, even in the European market. Um, Davin says early adopters struggle, struggle rough, especially, uh, uh, whatever there's 11 units happen. I, I have to say, yes, it, 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 and it's also one of the other things I was kind of concerned when I picked up the X, uh, the series X, um, I saw some concerns online talking about people having problems with their drives because I did buy it. So the series X, I purchased it off of Swappa. So that one was somebody else's purchase from Costco. Uh, but for me, that was also a concern. But knowing that it was purchased from Costco, I also have the purchase receipt. I can technically go in and get it exchanged if I have any problems. So there was a, you know, it wasn't as bad of a concern. Um, but issues like that, those are definitely big factors into making a decision or, to a Gen 1. Um, somebody put out a comment and said, you know, don't buy Gen 1. But the reality is most people are only hyped about Gen 1. You get hyped, you get excited about Gen 1. Yes, they may fix the problem with Gen 2. But the reality is that's the new tech there, right? So, you know, first version of Galaxy Fold had a big push behind it. Galaxy Fold 2 has a big push behind it as well, but not as big as the first one. Uh, and we'll see what they do with, you know, in the next year, in the next models and wh whichever one they go with there as well. Uh, <laughs> Joe Hickey, T T TK's beard, bro. Yes, definitely, dude. You uh, Absolutely. I was watching the show and I'm like, dude, I found a bro on the other side right there, man. Absolutely. If if you me um, was Sam and Matt are in the same show, I I can pretty much almost guarantee that the show would have been called the Beard Show or something like that. Because with the exception, I think uh, uh, was one of you guys. I think was it was just you know it was like a little bit of stubble. Everybody else had like a you know they're running their beard. You know, it's no no shave November. If if you're not participating, you should. Uh, <laughs> oh, Scott's in the comments for sure, man, for sure. Absolutely. 
Um, IR 1980s jumping back in here is uh, in your opinion, which okay, which list of phones over the past maybe two years um, have had the best haptics um, on smartphones uh, when it comes to feedback and keyboard typing experience? Uh, do any specific ones stick out? Um, I think the ones that generally stick out for me are the ones that that typically have not so good haptics because for the most part, I feel like most devices, and I realize that, you know, we're, we're referencing devices in different scales, right? The, meaning, you know, where it starts from, where it is. Um, I want to say Pixel devices in general have been okay for me. Uh, I want to say OnePlus's biggest challenge has been where I feel like it's almost like it's a conscious uh, decision for them to have a different type of haptic feedback when it comes to their standard line, like the seven, the seven T comparing that to the eight T and the eight, uh, or, or even the, uh, eight pro. I feel like the eight pro has some of the best haptics in there. Samsung has pretty decent ones. Um, Sony actually has been doing pretty well with their, uh, their lineup this year. I think overall, I really haven't had an experience other than the, the seven and the seven T that gave me a little bit of a uh, difference, even though they technically were an upgrade from what we saw with the 60 the year before. So in general, uh, I mean, obviously mid-range to low-end devices are definitely going to be a little bit of a concern. So the Nord, I would probably say didn't necessarily have the best haptics in there, but it was decent, again, for the price point. You have to kind of then at that point start kind of gauging where what you're looking for for what you're paying for. Uh, if you're paying a 1000 you should be getting the best of the best. You should not be getting something that is... Um, running any haptic issues. And this should be flushed out in the design as they're putting it together. This should not be a compromise. Uh, and, but OnePlus is definitely listening to their consumers. I would, I would almost say the ones that are not the best are the ones that stick out, uh, but they can definitely improve and, and get better at them over time. Uh, let me double check here. Earl, PlayStation or Xbox? Ooh. Um, I'll say this. I upgraded from the Xbox One S. Okay, so I've had the One S for some time. I think that one came out in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So that's about a five-year-old model. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say right now, look, I, I have both. I, I haven't upgraded my Xbox. Uh, sorry, sorry, my PlayStation that I currently have is the PlayStation 3. I also have the Xbox One S. Now, the Xbox One S came out after the PlayStation 3. The PlayStation 3 is definitely a lot older. Um, and I've had the, the PlayStation 1 prior to that. So I tend to not go for the PlayStation yearly upgrade. So if I had to kind of say which team right now, I'd probably say Xbox, mostly because of the way I have everything kind of integrated. And I actually own the original Xbox, the 360, the Xbox One S. I didn't go for the One X, but I did go with the One S. And now with the Xbox Series X, I didn't decide to go with the digital model. I wanted to go with the best model. And the improvement going from the One S to the Series X is like night and day load times, gameplay, downloading, the Game Pass functionality is just really nice. And I feel like Game Pass right now, by when you compare that between the Sony uh, Pass, it's just a little bit more. The game selection is definitely much better. You're able to play them on the PC as well. So there's that factor into it. Um, so I, not to kind of say one is bad, or one is good. Right now, I would probably say Xbox Series X. Talk to me again or ask me again next Saturday and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but Joe will definitely jump in and say this PlayStation. Of course, Joe and Matt are going to be PlayStation buddies always. Um, good. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Sakham. Uh, Sakham. Uh, hopefully. Sorry. Good morning. Uh, hopefully you're, you're having fun and kicking it with us. Uh, it's. Oh man, it's eleven o'clock at night in Turkey, man. It's it is. So if it's Turkey eleven in Turkey, I'm almost tempted to say Mehmet that, that it should be at the same time in Lebanon because Lebanon is, should be like around the same place. So it's either eleven or midnight. Uh, but thank you, thank you for everybody for for hanging out. Um, 
Sakamoto is asking is, what do you, uh, what do you want to say about the OnePlus launching new phones regularly strategy like Nord series? I think OnePlus was kind of in a position that they needed or they had to release the Nord. If you look at the lineup of what OnePlus has been working on as year over year upgrades, in 2020, they started off with the 8 and the 8 Pro, but the 8 was 700. It's already 700 plus. Right, the eight Pro was at best like a thousand bucks. So their two best devices, or the two devices that we always looked for, were in the upper echelon of the you know five hundred to six thousand dollars. So it's already kind of flagship pricing. They lost that you know flagship killer, the mid ranger or the the best bang for the buck price point once they left the seven hundred series uh, range. And I think the Nord was, as you probably already heard, was originally supposed to release at the same time as the OnePlus 8 and the 8 Pro so that they kind of gave you that trifecta, right? The mid-range price-friendly. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'll jump back on that comment right there. So... When we look at it in the way they did that, they needed something to be in that price point. They needed to be in that mid-tier price point that offered you the best experience, the best price for the features that you're getting. I think the OnePlus, uh, OnePlus Nord nailed it right on the T there, which I feel like is the best way to look at it. You have the mid-range OnePlus, you have the mid-tier, almost like a, I would say an, an affordable flagship version, which is the 8, and the 8 Pro is their flagship. What we saw at the end of the year is that we saw two additional Nords. So you have the N10 and the N100, really even lower, less expensive than the original Nord at around 150 to 300 bucks. Um, sorry, euros, depending where you are, 350, uh, depending where you are in the market. And of course, we saw the AT. I like the lineup that they're doing. I'm not sure if they needed that many phones. I feel like the OnePlus, the Nord N10 being at around 250 to 300 euros or pounds would have nailed it right away. I'm not sure if the N100 is specifically made for just to give you guys like the, 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 the N, which by the way, if you guys haven't seen the articles talking about the fact that even the N100 has a 90 hertz refresh rate, not a 90, 60, not a 60 hertz as, a, as previously believed. So again, things like that are always nice and surprising. And we're seeing SD card come back. So I, I'm excited to see what OnePlus is doing. I'm also very excited to see what they can do in 2021. That 65 watt charging that we saw with the OnePlus 8T is definitely very exciting for the 9 and the 9 Pro. So we'll we'll have to see what they have to offer us. And of course, with the optimizations that we see with the 875 that comes out, I'm still putting my money on the fact that it's going to be a five nanometer chipset. It's going to be faster. It's going to be better, better 5G. All the things that we normally expect you know, Qualcomm to offer us. But again, with that nice little flair of what one, uh, you know, Qualcomm can offer and, and OnePlus can give us as well. Um, the iPhone 12 Pro or the Pro Max, which one would you prefer? Uh, for me personally, if price isn't an issue, I would almost always go for the Pro Max. If I'm thinking about getting a brand new phone and I don't already have a Pro, if you have an 11, if you have already an iPhone 11, I already have the iPhone 11 Pro Max. I actually purchased the 12 mini mostly because I wanted a kind of a contrasting conversation. The smallest iPhone in 2020 comparing it to the iPhone, well, the best iPhone that they had in 2019. Um, so I almost, I always go with that because of the larger display and of course the bigger battery, not specifically and only about the camera lenses because the cameras are always going to be great when it comes to iPhones, especially for video. So I feel like you're not really getting that much of a big difference. So I would, for me, at least I would go for the pro max, 
Now, coincidentally, you are also looking at slightly different optics here when it comes to Apple. This is the first year where they did, they changed the optics on the Pro Max, giving us a, a much more unique experience. So in a sense, the best of what they have to offer in the Pro Max. So if price isn't an issue, I would go with the Pro Max. Uh, but I, again, it depends on what you're looking for uh, to get out of the uh, out of that device. Oops, I just realized there's a few extra comments that jumped in here. Let's see here. Uh, okay, so I, I'm back where I was before. Da, 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 iPhone 12. Oh, Aditya jumped back in. Uh, so for the best haptics, IR, I think he th the LG G7, uh, the, the haptics are, are crazy, crazy well. Um, I, wondering how the G8 has been doing for you, um, Aditya. Let me know. Uh I think Meizu phones uh, was uh, as iPhone phones before. Uh, it, it depends on, yeah, like I said, it depends if you're in a market where they are sold. I think that's primarily the biggest thing here. Um, Davin, jumping back here, um, I think OnePlus should offer two years of software and update uh, software updates on their north on their node line. Uh, that could be the uh, the edge uh, in the cheap market versus the one year, which I think is a big thing, right? Um, because they're releasing them with Android 10, right? So in by definition, with the fact that Android 11 is kind of already out, we already know that that's going to be that one version upgrade, which I feel like it's kind of, like it would have made more sense to me if you, like at the end of the year when we already have Oxygen OS 11, I think release Oxygen, uh, release the N10 and the N100 with 11 and then give us 12. That would have been an easier way, kind of like to feed into that. How do you kind of bridge the way between the two? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the only way for them to do it, but they really need to offer us an experience where they need to make sure people are comfortable knowing that they're going to be receiving software updates, knowing that they're going to be receiving, uh, you know, software, uh, you know, patch update as well as uh, operating system upgrade. So, yes, two years minimum, I think, would definitely be a great experience for all of these, uh, especially for the Nord line, because a lot of people are jumping into Nord because of the price points, because of what they're offering, because it's, uh, you know, OnePlus. Um, Coincidentally, you know, Nord. It definitely. I love the, the the standard Nord. I really feel like we should have received it in the U.S., but I, I still am very happy that I was lucky enough to be able to try it out the the Nord from uh, at least the current version of it, uh, as well as the N10. The N10 is actually very very nice. Um, slight shift. Uh, IR nineteen eighty is Chromecast with Google TV or the Mi Android Stick. Which one for uh, from your experience is better so far? Um, from using both of them, I would probably say they're they're slightly different in price, right? They're about ten to fifteen bucks cheaper uh, difference between. So the Mi Stick runs a little bit cheaper, uh, and of course the Google TV is about fifty bucks, depending if you're able to get it. Um, overall performance and availability, I feel like the Mi Stick is more available is available in more markets than the Google TV. If you're able to get that, I would go for the Google TV, uh, mostly because the the current version of uh, the uh, the Chromecast with Google TV is uh, running a much better UI element. The interface is a little bit easier uh, as far as um, finding recommendation, watching content, integration with the Google Assistant. The Mi Stick is still running Android 9.0 version of uh, Android TV, which is not that there's a problem there, and you can pretty much sideload the, the new Google launcher to it. Um, I feel like the SoC on it is not as fast, which is, I feel like, where the experience gets a little bit different. Uh, they're both pretty comparable, and it depends really what you're looking at if you have availability. If you can pick up one or the other, go for the Google TV. It's about 15 bucks more if you're okay with that. If you want to be able to save some money, I feel like the uh, what you get there is definitely pretty decent, although there is no 4K on the Mi TV. That's a 1080p to Android TV stick, so there is that also compromise there. 4K is what you're getting there with the, Android, with the Google TV on the new Chromecast. 
but I would, yeah, if you're able to get one or the other, definitely jump in on the on the Google TV if you're able to. Oh wow, Greece! <laughs> oh man, okay, so it's 10, 10, 11 in Greece, man. Good, good, good. Well, good evening, uh, as they say in Lebanon, al khair. Uh, Bangladesh is two thirteen in the morning. Sajid, uh, good morning, man. Good morning. You guys are way ahead of us, man. Uh, Joey, uh, Joey B's answer uh, question is nice to nice to see Apple joining uh, the Raw Club. <laughs> uh, Lal TK, uh, everyone uh, is in the stream, man. Uh, from uh, Vegas, uh, Vegas. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's it's something that we finally want to be able to kind of jump into right i mean they they announced so many things at launch day and then we have to wait as they trickle drop all of these features on their devices but absolutely uh, raw support definitely very nice uh, but we don't we don't use the european oh uh you don't yes so uh, it's same thing with lebanon and we don't we didn't use the, the the europeans in the us we call it military time which is really uh different we don't even call it the european system uh the, the timing system where you use you know 2000 and 2100 those are in the us referred to as military time uh in lebanon we don't yeah uh I, unless you unless you're speaking in english or in french you generally do not refer to it we just call it uh 11 o'clock at night <laughs> we don't even say pm we say at night so there's a you know like hadash bilal um Scott's asking, what do you think about the rumors that Samsung Galaxy Plus phone will have a 1080p screen? Uh, is it is that really a plus? I don't think that's a plus. No, uh, there's there's a certain level of expectations to you, you need to have when you're looking at devices. Because if you're looking at the price point of what they did with the plus sign uh, pr price for the last few years, um, last year in 2019, the plus was about a thousand bucks. This year, it's about 1100 bucks. So you really have to kind of start kind of gauging what you're getting. If you're getting a device that's a 1080p display at the plus, they did that to us with the Note 20. They gave us a 1080p panel on a Note 20 with a uh, 60 hertz refresh rate as opposed to the 120 hertz adaptive refresh rate on the Note 20 Ultra. Uh, I, I really feel like Samsung's stretching their, their lineup. I don't, I'm not sure if they're still trying to gauge the experience but i probably would say the 1080p panel should be reserved to their standard model the plus and the pro and the, the ultra should always have their higher end displays because the definition of plus it's more than what the standard is i mean if it's a standard is let's just say this if the plus is a 1080p what's lower than that right what unless the plus is the standard model then something that has to be less on the standard model so I, i'd really be worried to see but i agree with you on that one scott i don't think it's something that this is something they should be doing um let me double check i think i, I skipped a few comments here uh oh saksham okay sorry it, it's two separate words okay saksham ahlan <laughs> welcome man uh thank you thank you for for breaking it up for me i did not want to mess it up because i assumed that the k and the s connected and i could like i said depends on the uh the, when you're reading it from different places um oh, saksham is coming back with another one. is there a need to upgrade from the iphone 11 to the 12 or the 12 mini absolutely not not even not even close there's really the 5g is not an answer and it's not a reason there's no reason there's no reason to go from the 11 honestly other than the fact that you want to say that you have the 12 not saying you would but um sorry oops i spilled some coffee sorry did not mean to do it uh but other than the basically we have goku again um, other than to say that we have the 12 or you have the 12 there's no reason uh the camera optics performance ios 14 runs just as good 
Uh, that, that, uh, oh, Aditya. Aditya is coming back. Um, the haptics on the G8 are a bit uh, anemic, especially because I'm coming from the G7. The speaker quality is on par and the ability uh, and the usability because of the screen uh, vibration as it vibrates. Yes, so the, there's the boom the boom box or the boom effect that they did it's better than the g8 g7 um I, I think that was one of the ones that you have to try and once you try it and you hear how the g8 can sound how loud the g8 can sound when you put it have you i don't know if you've tried this yet aditya um put it on an open and an empty box like the case that uh, the the top part of the case uh, though the box that your phone came in put it on it put it on the table and just play it and raise the volume and see how how the echoing works that sound chamber that they have on the back of the G8 was definitely one of their better designs. Um, but you know, they replaced it with stereo speakers in 2020. So it's a different, it's a different approach, but definitely nice. Uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel is jumping in. Uh, OnePlus has been getting worse with uh, timely software updates in the in the past two years. Uh, they, um, they aren't where they used to be. I think that's also that, has a big factor into that because of the you know what they're doing with having so many devices realistically their software team is having to develop software for multiple devices where they used to be two phones in one year at the beginning of the year and then two phones at the end they're going now in at least with this year they have six devices and upgrades um i think we're still waiting on the 7 and the 7 pro to receive the oxygen os 11 update i know the 8 and the 8 pro did receive it uh, so those are things that you are, I, I'm with you with the software upgrades. I realize that they're not as consistent. They used to be on the month, right on the dot, we would get a Oxygen OS upgrade. Um, it, we'll have to see how things go, but my hope is that they're working on that. I think uh, more people are more aware of the software updates now that we're all sitting at home and on our devices more often because we tend to keep track of it more often. Uh, in the past, most people will probably see it every once in a while and they thought it was everything was good. But I feel like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, we need to have better updates. We need to have better support. Uh, in, and sadly to say, though, the, the story for software update gets worse when you start talking about a, a carrier version of a phone. Uh, namely, and I'm not trying to fault anybody. I'm not trying to say it's somebody specifically is mistake, but when you get a device, let's say a OnePlus device that is uh, a carrier specific one, like the T-Mobile model, um, even if OnePlus releases their update on a timely manner, it still gets delayed based on what T-Mobile has to do to get that software certified or authorized to go on their version of the device, which is different hardware-wise and software-wise. There are different implementation of what they're doing with the soft. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, OnePlus is having a little bit more challenges and they're starting to become more available, obviously on different carriers, T-Mobile, Verizon, so on. So it, it is becoming challenging how their software updates have been doing. Uh, but I hope they do definitely get it much better, get it at least uh, back to somewhat of a, a normal schedule. Um, Joey is coming in with anyone else getting uh, that free gift from YouTube Premium for Chromecast Plus Stadia. So uh, with Joey's conference referencing, if you guys are not aware, if you haven't seen this yet, uh, if you are a YouTube Premium subscriber or YouTube uh, a YouTube Premium subscriber, so you've been subscribing to it for some time if you use it. There is a promotion going on right now where you're able to get, I think it was it three months worth of Stadia subscription, uh, Stadia Pro, plus you get a Chromecast Ultra and a controller from Google for free just for the existing subscription. I think that's a great way for, for Google to not only expand their number of subscribers, but also to get people to try it out. 
Um, also the Chromecast Ultra, I, I really love the Chromecast Ultra just from what it offers, uh, with the exception of the fact that it does not have a remote, at least to my understanding is it, it should be receiving the Google TV update at some point to enable us to have that same UI. So you'll be able to interact with it using your phone or buy a remote for it. But the short answer is it's a really nice option. Uh, but yes, uh, I personally took care took advantage of it, uh, Joey, but because it was so popular, um, the the controller and the Chromecast Ultra that I had uh, ordered because it comes with and you have to order it uh, won't be here till the late part of December for me. So I'm so far on the on the list of things. I'm just happy I have my order and it's free. <laughs> it's like that's the only thing I'm saying. We'll have to see how that comes in. Um, and uh, but I've, I've been playing the sorry. I've actually been playing uh, a little bit of the Stadia Pro on my uh, on my just on my desktop PC. It's actually reasonably, uh, really pretty decent. Uh, you can play it on almost anything that has a browser: PC, Mac, Windows, whichever. Um, Chrome OS, of course, will definitely work on it. Uh, my only my only concern that I'm thinking at the time was uh, is the fact that I was trying to use a keyboard and mouse on a game that wasn't designed for a keyboard and mouse. So it, that would be my only thing. But uh, definitely check it out. If you guys have YouTube Premium, you got to check it out and see if that offer is available in your area. Um, Oh, Davin is jumping back with Joey. Uh, let me double check here. Oh, hey, Ronaldo's in the chat. Uh, My tech reviews, guys, definitely great guy. Um, Ronaldo and I were, were sharing some uh, experiences when it comes down to Walmart and their pre-order system for uh, for uh, for yeah for the PlayStation. Let's just say that it we had it in our in our shopping cart so many times and so many times it just slips. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, Aljosa, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for the uh, for the super chat. Uh, stabilization aside, um, is difference in video quality uh, between, uh, say, a V60 and the Galaxy phone uh, versus an iPhone really big? What makes Apple so good? So let's just let's take stabilization out of the, the conversation and let's just compare the V60 to the Galaxy phones. Um, what you're getting with the Samsung phones uh, overall, and I'm talking about the higher end galaxies, obviously not, not you know, we're not talking about the, like the S20, but I'm talking like the S20 Ultra or the S20 Plus. Um, there is a big difference in processing, the way the device is actually running and doing things as far as the, the camera optics and the software that they're using behind it. I feel like the V60 overall provides me better pro level tools in the camera app to control audio and video than what I normally get when I'm using a Samsung. Now, Samsung did introduce the new version, which is they're calling their Pro Camera app, uh, and that gives us the ability of using Bluetooth audio onto them. Finally, at, you know, with the Note 20 Ultra now, and we're starting to see it on other devices. Um, the biggest difference when you start talking Android versus Apple, uh, when it comes down to video, it's the color science, sorry, but also the color science matching between the different lenses. When you take a video, a, let's say a 4K 60 for a video on your iPhone on the back, and you take it with the wide angle lens and the standard focal length, or even if it's switching over to the front, the, the footage between all three of these cameras looks like it came from the same camera with a different camera lens attached to it. So there's a lot of improvements done on the, uh, on the processing horsepower that's coming in the background when it comes to iPhones and it comes to video. I think Android has done great in the sense of what they've been able to do with optim with stabilization. So we've had the cropped, you know, where they shoot in 4K and they crop it down to 1080 and they give you that stabilized gimbal footage. Those things that we've been seeing with Android for quite some time. 
and I'm not saying that they're bad. If you're looking for a great experience when it comes down to cameras right now, honestly, I feel like the V60 gives us one of the better ones on Android. And when it comes to basically Apple and iPhones, they've been doing it consistently for some time. I feel like where they're lacking, which is kind of like the opposite of where Google is, is that where their photography is not exactly at the highest level, it's good. Their video is pretty good where Google has almost perfected the video, the auto, you know, point and shoot type of an experience on a phone. Um, and the video is where they're needing to get a little bit better. We saw some new modes with the with the Pixel 5, the cinematic modes, uh, the 24 frames per second slow motion, the pan shots. There's some new things that they're trying to do with the uh, with the new cameras. But I still feel like for cameras, for photography, I feel like Pixel wins the wins the uh, the biggest uh, side. Uh, for video, I feel like it's still Apple when it comes down to their cameras. And of course, if you're looking for a better solution between the two, I feel like the V60 is a very nice combination of two, and it still gives you really good front-facing and back-facing camera experience. Uh, so, and and thank you very much for the uh, for the super chat, man. I always appreciate it. Um, uh, how do you get the the be the best of? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, Philip, if you don't mind maybe reposting the comment, uh, I'm not sure what you mean with that one. Uh, oh, yeah, so we're jumping. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, let's put that one in there. Uh, oh, Philip Turner, how do you, okay, so how do you get to YouTube Stadia? I have the Chromecast uh, for me from subscribing to YouTube. Uh, okay, I have the Chromecast for uh, from subscribing to YouTube TV. So I think the, the subscription is part of YouTube. Uh, so it's YouTube Premium, not YouTube TV. So if you have YouTube Premium, it's a simple Google search. And I'll, uh, I don't know if somebody can have maybe post a comment in the, uh, in the chat. Uh, it just do Google search for YouTube TV free Google Stadia. And I'm pretty sure you'll get the, uh, the link right away. Uh, essentially, it validates it through your account. You can try it with your YouTube TV. I'm not sure if it's uh, if it'll work. Uh, but this Chromecast Ultra is com uh, configured to work with the controller, uh, the, the Stadia controller out of the box. So uh, essentially, if your subscriptions uh, allows you to win it, uh, you're able to get it. Uh, they give you uh, access to Google Stadia. You sign up for the Stadia service. And then within about think, 24 hours, you'll get an email with a code that gives you the ability of ordering the controller and the, and the Chromecast Ultra for free. So it's not an instantaneous for both, but you you can definitely check it out. The simple Google search. Again, I don't have the link right at the top of my head right now, but I'm sure it's easier. Um, Joe's jumping back with, uh, I'm tempted to get myself a Tab S7 Plus. Uh, content consumption and photo editing. Anyone recommend uh, recommend alternatives or think that that's a good choice? Uh, be, so for me, being that I use the Tab S7 Plus on the daily, whenever I record my videos, um, I like it for what it would for the size, for the form factor, for the gaming on it. I think gaming on it is really nice. So I play Xbox, uh, the cloud, X, uh, the cloud version of Xbox, uh, the Xbox Pass on it. Um, it's really nice, man. The the display is really clear, very fast, very. Um, made specifically for content consumption. It's not going to disappoint. Um, I went with the Plus, not the standard S7, mostly because I also wanted the uh, the AMOLED panel, but I also wanted the bigger size. So if if the, the dimensions of the device is not necessarily too big, you can save a little bit to go with the S7, but I think the S7 Plus will not disappoint. Great audio, great performance. I did hear some people were having concerns where the screen was having some issues after some time. So just make sure you pick it up from a place you're able to get a good, you know, warranty on it in case you have any problems. But yeah, you're not going to be, you're not going to have any problems there. I'm sure uh, the, I'm sure everybody will will jump in with there. Um, 
Oh man, let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, th thank you, Davin. Uh, Davin, appreciate you jumping in. Uh, Aditya is jumping back in here. <laughs> man, so, um, but I did want to kind of come, come, comment back into the whole, uh, just the overall experience of what you get with the vices in 2020. The year is coming to the end. We're starting to see more devices. Uh, we're starting to see devices kind of kind of dwindle down. There's a few more devices coming out. We saw, obviously, you know, the brand new, uh, the uh, Poco M3 that's going to be coming out pretty soon. I wouldn't be surprised. There'll be maybe another phone or two in, in December or something like that. But October was a massive month. Um, devices, and when you're, when you're looking to spend your hard-earned money on a phone, I don't feel like we really need to be looking at making compromises. I think we should be able to make a decision based on what we want to get out of our phone. Uh, we need to stop looking at the price tag and making that price tag decide if this phone is worthy of our attention or if it's good enough for what we want. $700 phone doesn't necessarily mean it's better than a $350 phone. Depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a, a, a good phone with a decent camera and good software update, and of course, good support from, from Google, I think the Pixel 4a is an absolute must. You have to consider it. You cannot skip it. I'm not necessarily saying that this is going to be the right answer for you, but it's something that you have to consider. Uh, if you're looking for 2020 to also kind of give you the best experience on a smartphone from the sense of a company that you may have stopped looking at or not even considering, LG is there. LG is back and, she, and they're back with the big, they're trying to swing pretty big this year. And I hope they continue that in 2021. Uh, what I would probably say is at the end of the day, when we look at different devices from different companies, Samsung and Apple are obviously going to be holding that $1,000, you know, close to $1,000 and plus market. But I don't really feel like they're giving us devices that are worthy of that price point. I don't think that the Note 20 Ultra for what it offers was actually priced right. I feel like that that was probably a $1,000 phone, a $999 phone that they wanted to release, but they released for more. Uh, I'm not this. I'm not the. I'm not trying to basically discount the the features that you get there. I'm not trying to discount all the technology that's in there, but. Literally, after two weeks after they released the Note 20, they took off 200 bucks because they saw people not buying it. Uh, the S20 FE was coming out at 699, but then when the Pixel was released, got their price cut. They dropped the price by 100 bucks to make it more competitive with the uh, Pixel 5. Again, I feel like prices are overinflated. I think we're, we need to kind of get that price reduction, and I felt. 2020 would have been the year to do that. This would have been the perfect year for companies to readjust their price uh, understanding. I think Google was one of the first. To start that because they did actually look at the price and they factored how much they wanted to sell that phone for into the decision of how they put that phone together lg did the same thing by coming in with a 799 flagship in 2020 that offers us all of the main features all of the things that we always look for wireless charging massive batteries stereo speakers the option of using a second screen the option of using pen input on a smartphone for 799 not a question one of the best uh, OnePlus' solution in 2020, I feel like I, it's actually the better solution, in my opinion, than what we've seen in the past, giving us three different devices that answer three different things for us. It's not necessarily saying that the 8T is actually a slight upgrade from the 8. It truly is its own device that fits in that tree, that triangle, uh, basically, uh, uh, pro, you know, uh, offering that they're giving us. We have the 8 Pro, the 8, and the 8T right smack in the middle, and it gives us the obviously new technology and a look forward to what to expect in 2021. So I think OnePlus is some definitely a company to keep an eye out. The, the N10 and the Nord are definitely big. 
I need, we need to see Nord come to the US. That's just a thing that needs to happen. OnePlus in the US has left that price point, that price market. And in other markets, they've brought in the Nord, but the US, we still haven't seen it. Um, I want to be able to say that I want to see the uh, the uh, the Xperia Pro. I, I'm not sure if we will. Uh, at the end of the year, this may end up be something that they announced in 2020 and they released in 2021. We'll have to see if they, you know, uh, you know, we'll see it with the 875. We'll see some updated stuff. Excited to see it there. Um, so with that being said, uh, <laughs> Gary, of course, always jumping in with that. Wishing everyone uh, stays happy and safe Thanksgiving next week. Absolutely, Gary. Um, it's with 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 everything going on right now with the numbers going up across the states there's not much we can say for people then then truly truly please stay safe please take, please take care of yourself and um if if you're able to try to do some type of you know distancing or whichever kind of form of, of you know keeping everybody safe around you um hope you guys have a great thanksgiving of course that's going to be one of the big things uh, for us we're doing a distant uh, thanksgiving but you know it it is 2020 after all i feel like it it's it fits the 2020 theme really that's really what it, it would be and again thank you very much for the for the super chat gary um so those are the companies i feel like that that, that we want to keep an eye out i feel like samsung and oneplus will always keep churning out those devices there are rumors that the s21 will be coming out earlier next year which could also mean that samsung is going to be releasing even more devices in 2021 it's like a more of a gamut of devices you know different size uh, different sizes different options um, we're talking about possibility, uh, you know, of having S Pen input on multiple devices, not just Notes, and also that the end of Notes, which means potentially no more Note, meaning the pen that made the Note series be very unique, is pretty much going to be absorbed into other devices. Um, yeah, <laughs> turkey, 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 safe turkey, safe turkey, safe turkey. Uh, nice, Gary. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. Uh, yes, by next Thursday, uh, by by next Thursday, it would basically be the day before Black Friday. It's going to be one of those. Um, IR1980, uh, jumping in with the Apple M1 SoC has, has excited many, but uh, I want to see what Google's SoC would look like. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm right there. It was... Um, I'm not going to deny the fact that I was a skeptic when I first heard what the, that announcement of what the M1 was going to do. But then when I start seeing what the M1 is capable of doing with Apple's certified software, or Apple, so basically software that was designed specifically to run on the M1, uh, like Final Cut and so on, I wasn't surprised. If you're, if you, again, if you use an Apple, uh, if you're an, uh, a MacBook user or a MacBook mini and you are heavily invested in the Final Cut uh, type of editing for, for, for creatives, for me, I'm an Adobe creator uh, uh, user. It's definitely, you're, you're going to see the benefit. I think the M1 is perfect. Uh, and it shows how much a company can do when they're able to control the whole process. Um, seeing uh, seeing maybe a Chromebook that comes with a Google SoC, a device, a smartphone that comes out with a Google SoC can only provide us even more opportunities for what they can actually provide and give us into our devices. So those are going to be the big, big things that I always look forward to. Um, <laughs> Davin, Davin, uh, Davin Davis with that one coming. Thank you very much for the super uh, super chat. Of course, uh, yes, no, no, I I I did not forget. Uh, it is time, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is twelve one uh, an hour and fifty two minutes. We are just about that time. Uh, it is time for us to do our, uh, as you guys remember, at the TK section. Uh, so for that, if you guys don't mind, do me a favor. Uh, if you can just hit us in the, in the chat real quick, which is a few of those TK sections real quick. 
uh <laughs> we'll we'll start kicking it up let's go ahead and hit the screen number two and we're going to kick it off with davin again thank you for the super chat always always appreciated and <laughs> i never gets old it never gets old guys never and you could see right there davin is in there um earl is jumping in with <laughs> take your vitamins thank you very much man always always appreciate it scott tkception man look at that beard dude with that spider-man shirt you're killing me um ir1980 always always appreciated uh my tech reviews thank you thank you ronaldo uh and uh always aditya oh man benedict cumberbatch always tkception tkr bay thank you man uh oh dude joe's jumping in with it too thank you thank you very much thank you always always appreciated joe uh you know and it's a good show because you guys are here honestly it it is uh it's one of those things that you always like, you don't know what you're going to do on a show when you're sitting in, you're like, Hey, what am I going to do the show on? Uh, and it, it always never, never surprises me that the, the level of engagement and, um, just support that you guys have done, uh, week after week. And of course, hanging out with me here, uh, helping me with my, I, I like to call them my therapy sessions of the week, uh, kind of culminating and putting things together. And, before we go too far, don't forget tomorrow afternoon uh, across the podcast at 1 p.m., Matt and Sam obviously back at it again. And of course, Monday morning, back at it again as usual. Some gadget guy, some guy, some guy that lurks in the comments. That's all I think I'm going to say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's Juan Carlos Bagnell. Uh, and, uh, you know, always, always appreciate it. And I'm, I'm seriously thinking I need to talk to Juan about trying to get together and trying to put some type of a show together, like a weekly kind of not necessarily just a recap, but just like hanging out, talking, checking out what's going on with the week and just kind of bouncing things off of each other. Uh, I always have fun having him on the show and that chemistry that goes on, on-air chemistry that they call, whatever it is. I feel like it's there. And I am always always feel like you guys will definitely appreciate that and always enjoy that as well. Um, Marilyn, I had that work quick. Hope Samsung integrates the pen into uh, into the phone. Um, like the uh, like the note, I love the pen, uh, but I always uh, lose them if they aren't attached. We'll have to see how the integration does. You're right. Uh, if if they decide to remove the note where that pen is housed inside, it kind of falls into the same realm of having an external piece that you will more than likely lose. Um, but we'll we'll have to see how they approach it. My goal is essentially, I feel like um, a device that is big and that is essentially like a large, like an ultra type of a phone, whichever model it ends up being, should have no problem housing a pen. It may come at the price of a battery size, but we'll we'll have to see how they make that marriage of you know functionality over uh, you know battery capacity. But we'll we'll have to see how that goes. Um, and then, uh, but with that being said, I don't want to take. <laughs> oh man. Always, always, guys, always. Uh, Aditya, thank you, always, man. Uh, <laughs> it's always, it, uh, it, it's one of those things I always appreciate that the TKception kind of took out, it took its own like lifespan. It happens on its own. And I appreciate you guys always reminding me of that timeline. Aditya, uh, uh, jump in. TK, I think someone on Twitter was suggesting an updated old phone channel. Ah. You know, that may not be a bad idea, but we have to make some good recommendations for Quan. I would say first and foremost, he has to make sure that the quality check the phones before we get into the challenge. Because that last challenge that we did was a, just a massive debacle. Uh, not the last one, the one before last. Uh, and I do have to say, though, I do miss I do miss the uh, the duo. The duo is, there's nothing like it. There's really just nothing like it. And I know Sam, Sam still enjoys his, obviously. Um, but it's one of those devices that you have to use. And once you have that form factor, you kind of get in, you know, um, 
integrated, you integrate that into your lifestyle of how to use a phone, you start missing it when you don't like, I mean, I can do a good number of things with the surface with the duo with the uh, sorry with the Z fold two, but it doesn't really replicate it. Tent mode is not the same when the phone doesn't open all the way to the other side. Um, Davin is wishing everybody to be safe, of course. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, with that being said, I, I hope you guys are having a good weekend. I hope you guys, if you're in the US and you're going to take some time off during the holidays, please take that to, to relax and take take some time and just connect with your family and try to, you know, um, try to help 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 yourself get over whatever burnout, whatever concerns, whatever issues that you may have had or throughout the year. Because I feel like this is what's kind of happening to us. We've had so much happen to us in 2020. We're getting down to the end of the year and things are getting a little bit amped up with the numbers that we're seeing. So stress level may be a little bit higher. I, I really would recommend to try to take some time and relax. It's a week of time off. For most people, it's a short week in the US. Uh, so if you're able to take some time off, hopefully you're able to relax and stay with the family and, and obviously stay safe. Uh, and of course, I'll try to be, I'll do my best, obviously, to be back next Saturday. That's the plan. Uh, and of course, hopefully you guys will also have a great day. If you're looking to pick up some good deals on Black Friday and you see anything that is definitely intriguing to, to share with me, please hit me up. You can find me as usual here on YouTube as TK Bay, uh, TKDSL8655 on both Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. I'm still there every once in a while. Uh, I post things on Twitter, on Instagram that kind of covers, carries over. Uh, Joey B, the oh man, that brought back the M7, the HTC M7, the HTC One M7 with the original boom sound. Have I still have mine somewhere here? I don't think it. I didn't know. I take that back. I think it's still booted up. Um, and of course, always, always, uh, really would be really nice uh, to see. It. So, I'll say this: uh, thank you to IR1980, uh, Mehmet, of course, Joey, uh, Marilyn, of course, Joe, Davin, Davis, Aditya, uh, it, the OG Aditya, and the new Aditya, uh, jumping in the comment, of course. Uh, we have Gary, the fireman, of course, as well. Scott, as always, Earl, Davin, Davis, of course. Uh, I'm going through as many uh, everybody else's comments, of course. Uh, let me see. Oh, we've covered Mehmet. We have Davin. I think I saw. Oh, Matt Tyler, of course, as usual, uh, and of course Philip Turner. Uh, for everybody else joining us here, uh, <laughs> old school HTC man, old school HTC, always, always. Um, with that being said, stay safe. Be good to your friends. Again, I always say this at the end of every my every one of my shows. Call a friend. Get in touch with somebody you haven't talked to for a while. I am almost 100% sure they'll be more than happy to get in touch with you, to hear from you, and know that you're doing well. And of course, we'll always be appreciative of that. Take care, everybody. Uh, be safe. Do more. Do better. And of course, uh, again, stay safe. We'll see you guys. We'll Actually, we'll hang out again next Saturday, but I'll be in the chat with you guys tomorrow afternoon on Across the Podcast with Matt and Sam. Take care, everybody.